Hello and welcome to the Arc of E podcast. My name is Noah. And my name is Gavin. And we're the Blanchard Brothers. And we're also back. Yes. Uh, after quite a long interim. It's been a bit since you heard from us. It's like our spring break kind of. Uh, yeah. Not. And what a spring it has not been. Not as much fun or any fun at all compared nope. to spring breaks of, of the past. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot has happened in the world since the last time we recorded. Yeah. Full disclosure, we did have an episode of Two by Two that we did record, mm-hmm. uh, and unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties on my part, uh, namely not having storage on my Mac, we we lost about a thirty-minute chunk. It was part of the Two by Two review, uh, unfortunately. So I kind of had to scrap the episode, which in turn led to us like not having anything out and not really having anything on social media in the last little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were back. I hope that was not mistaken as like silence or a, like an act of defiance against putting anything out or like. Um, it's probably only looks bad to the people I told like, oh, yeah, no. One I talked yeah. About and it. again, we have an audience of, I think, like maybe 15 people. Yeah. So. And they probably know by now. And I feel like they know us enough as individuals to know how we feel about the current state of the world. Which is also kind of why we hadn't really... I haven't said anything like on my social media. Yes. Because, you know, there was a a thread at the start of this which was very much like, let's kind of chill on the, like, superfluous social media posts, stuff that's not related to what's going on right now. Let's elevate Mm -hmm. some black voices. Let's let people be heard. Let's kind of shut the fuck up and listen for a little bit. And you know, do some self-investigating, all of that sort of stuff, which I think is good for, I hope people actually engaged in that. But I mean, that's literally, I went from just coming out of a cycle of like, kind of being able to like, all right, I'm not checking the news every day for what's mm-hmm. going on with the virus, been in quarantine. I Also, I am back to work oh, uh, good. in the midst of the last two weeks. I have been called back to work. So I'm off of unemployment and, and back out there in the world with a lot of maskless people. No masks at all. That's uh, a little terrifying. Um, I didn't say at all, but oh, uh, okay. as a person who works in the food service industry, I, uh, of the customers I see on a regular basis, I, if I had to give you a rough ratio, 75% not wearing masks. Uh, the one person on my staff of four that is, I also am the one who has the most face-to-face contact with like random people coming in. So that's, you know... Well, does I'm the keeping vi- mine on. That's they, all I'm saying. Do they know if the virus sticks to plastic? Because, I mean, isn't that what they call Mount, Mount Plastic? Isn't that where you work? Uh, yes, that is. So it, does, it doesn't stick to plastic, so they don't need to wear masks. Yeah. Okay. I guess. But anyways, okay. I was just coming out of a cycle of being able to not look at the news every day. And then, by virtue of the state of the world, I'm back sucked into the cycle and also trying to navigate... The shit show that is like just the mainstream news media on both sides, which I, yeah. which is why I've focused more on social media and firsthand accounts and personal narratives, etc. Um, because there's 
there's so much bullshit out there right now and it's it's mm-hmm. tough to navigate well and, so, and well did you say that and and i i don't we didn't talk about it on mic but I know leading up before all this, there was a lot of, I, I don't know if I sent you the link or if you saw it, there was a big, big meeting earlier this year, and I know Sasha Baron Cohen spoke at it, and he essentially was like, there's six people on this planet that are in charge of what you get to see online, because they don't want to deregulate their companies, they don't want to like have regulation, they don't want to get in line and like have some kind of thing of what they will do, and he basically said, basically what you're telling me is, if this was 1941 and Hitler paid Facebook enough, everybody <laughs> could see what he, they wanted to see. Right. So I do think that while that may have been a, an issue before all this came in, I can say that, you know, watching social media, seeing things from a on-the-ground perspective, as much as I'm like, ah, oh, it's social media, it's this and that, like it's this whole thing, I do think it. this is one of those times that you can say, hey, if, you know, this is one probably the main reason why we are where we are, but also for all of that you may not like about it, it is this really kind of important tool that lets you see something that isn't filtered, that doesn't have any money behind it because it's not on TV to make ads, and it's just a real life account of what's going on. And I think that is really you know eye opening, and I think that's the major reason why we are where we're at right now for better or for worse obviously for worse and we we do need to get better but you know yeah it is what it is yes so and also thinking a little bit about like how we navigate the this space going forward which again is two white guys two brothers at that Mm -hmm. just bullshitting about stuff that we like and maybe not like interrogating them all that in depth but Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that we can commit to at least in what we're putting out into the world is like when we do discuss movies that have issues that center around like anything in in culture in general that maybe we interrogate them a little more than we normally do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I I really I, I don't know what else to say. It's weird transitioning back because we haven't we haven't talked in like two weeks. So yeah. what we can do before we jump into what we're here to do um we can kind of recap the lost episode, the phantom episode, if you will. The key things that came out of the missing two by two. Taffin was okay. Yeah. We got, I realized where that thing finally came from. The. Maybe you shouldn't, maybe be, living. shouldn't be living here. Yeah, I finally got where that's from. Mm-hmm. You liked the cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. Yeah. Uh, we, again, solid gold, I promise you. 30 minutes of solid gold that you'll never get to hear, unfortunately. The other big thing, we did a little mini review of The Vast of Night. Oh, yeah. Which is still readily available for everybody on Amazon Prime. Uh, I think that is our shared favorite movie of the year. Maybe that's changed after the things we're going to talk about. I don't know. But uh, we can both highly recommend that one. Fantastic mm-hmm. debut fe- feature. Um, little Twilight Zone, Outer Limits esque throwback sci-fi movie that's extremely grounded incredibly well acted well shot etc um again i may try and salvage parts of that episode maybe Mm -hmm. we'll throw them up on patreon at some point but uh yeah those were the big highlights that that you missed basically Hmm. so we were lukewarm on taffin and we liked the cook the thief his wife and her lover first time viewing for gavin uh third time for me yeah so and we also out of that i gave noah um broke down palace oh to we watch. can i was gonna say we can save it for the end no. but we can we can tell you what's coming next because what we're about to get into is a two by two new review 
but we right. will be back probably next week with a two by two retro review, getting back into that groove that we had been doing right. through most of quarantine, even though it feels like maybe now is the time to like completely change the format. And I, I know, I man, know. but I also kind of like, we could tell you what we could do that after surf ninjas, because that's okay. one yes. of our shared favorites. Uh, and, and I, that's what I, that's the yeah. big gun that I pulled out on Gavin yeah. because I figured after making you watch a, an NC 17 art film, that is a kind of a, a, not a chore to get through in a bad way, but like an aggressive movie that's very tough to watch mm-hmm. in some aspects. I was like, we got to go nostalgia. And it's we got to really, go childhood. It really is. It's just, it's just Michael Gambon's voice. It just, it, it rakes yeah, you. That, that's, that was pretty much 20 of the 30 minutes that yes. you missed was us just like, oh my God, this what a good. performance. Well, yeah, what a performance. But like, what a fucking asshole too. Like just, you have to, I mean, it, it, it's one of those like, in theory, yes, he's a terrible guy. Yes, what happens to him is super fucked because, like, you know, spouse is cheating and stuff. But by the time you're like, you want it to happen because it's like, yeah, dude, you're fucking terrible. Like, even if I don't see you do the terrible stuff, I don't like listening to you talk. You're just fucking annoying. You're, you certainly know Sir Bob Hopkins and, like, his amazing. I don't know if he was a sir or not. But, like, you're no Bob Hoskins and, like, you know, you're no Harold Shand. Like, you're no, like, you know, perfect, which, I mean, we said it on that podcast, I'll say it, I've been listening to that fucking soundtrack for, like, weeks on end, man. I love, love... It's Francis Monkman, right? Monkman, yes, dude. Like <laughs> The Monk. The Monk, yeah. yeah. Francis the Monk. That's a Francis the Monk And we joke. also praise the score yes. of the cook, the thief, his wife. And yes, girl. yes, indeed. Um, yeah, quite a bit. Before we do transition into the bulk of the episode, one thing I wanted to mention at the top when we were trying to address the state of the world the two since you are listening to a podcast and i assume that's something that you like to engage with the two podcasts that i feel like have been keeping me the most like well informed and engaged and keeping these things in the front of my mind and keeping them from fading to the background which i i hope everybody is essentially on the same page that like this is not going to be a two-week like no you know out of sight out of mind thing uh the two podcasts that i've mainly been that's been occupying that space for me is the Daily Zeitgeist from our old buddy Jack O'Brien. Yes. From from Cracked, formerly from Cracked, and Miles Gray. You know he actually messaged me back one time? Yeah, no, we, we discussed that like two years ago. Yeah, I yeah. was so flattered. He was like, hey, you know, stay tuned for this. And I was like, dude, awesome. No, he didn't message me back. He, I think he he's tweeted a, me back. He's I was a real like, guy. He's the most like cool, he's like the most important tweet back I've ever had. 100%. Minus uh, the time that that uh, fetish uh, suicide girl model and I kind of had a thing back and forth on, on uh, Twitter as well. Okay. Well, like she, listen, she was okay. like, We're she, going, she told everybody she wasn't going to have like another calendar for 2020 and I was like, why is that? She's like, well, it cost me a ton. Like I pay my photographer really well. I, I don't make as much because I make it all myself. It's just really taxing and I was like, oh, okay. And I was to the point, I was like, well, you know, if I'm ever in London, I'll come over and shoot some photos for you and we'll, I'll put it together myself. And she's like, oh, great, haha. And that was the end of it. But she was nice enough to respond because I was just like, nah, it sucks. You're not going to like do another calendar or whatever. Do you like think she's listening now? No, of course (laughs) she's not. Um, She's married, so it doesn't matter. All right. The other podcast. (laughs) So that's the Daily Zeitgeist. Yes. Uh, It's available everywhere. I think it's part of the iHeartRadio network. I Um, believe so. Yes. Highly recommend that one. They do daily episodes, about an hour and a half, and then they also do trending topics every day as well, which is like 15 minutes. So you get two podcasts a day, mm-hmm. every day of the week. Um, it, it, 
I don't know. That's like my main thing that I'm listening to right now. The other one, though, is Higher Learning, which is a new podcast from The Ringer. What? Nothing. From <laughs> You're just thinking about the movie, obviously. Well, no, it's just funny because like you... we Which you, they've done on the rewatchables. Okay, yeah. Though. Well, no, you mentioned that. And it's like... I've I've been and I've been pitching this for a long time to him. I'm like I've been telling Perk, can we sit down and like let's watch a Time to Kill or let's watch Higher Learning? And I just want you to like go through your emotions with me in these because I'm guarantee you, dude, I'm on the same level. And he straight up looked at me. He's like, I will not watch Higher Learning with you. It I I, I will probably want to fight you. And I'm like, right. good. Well, well, let's not do that. I said, why won't you watch it? And then like, we'll talk about it without, like, we won't do a commentary. That was thing. part of the problematic rewatchables that right. they did. Yeah. Uh, very good episode though. But Higher Learning with Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay is fantastic. They were like slated to go. It was a new show that was starting. And then George Floyd was killed and kind of, I mean, it was going to be just an exploration of black culture in general just the different topics of the day mm-hmm. and then this happened and it has you know as you would expect that has become the main focus of the podcast and it's they're they're covering a lot of stuff a lot of in-depth discussion fascinating guests as well um and same thing over on daily zeitgeist the people they're bringing in to talk about what's going on is fantastic so and that's uh, that those is, are the two that for me are that's that's how i'm staying up to date well, beyond what, trying not to get sucked into the constant reading of of news from mainstream outlets etc well that so, makes me glad because like i know that was one of the big reasons why jack o'brien kind of stepped down from crack was like he had already said he had gotten most of his news daily from podcasts anyway and he wanted to try and do something that was in that same vein of like something that was new, fresh every day. That was like a new topic they could talk it, about as in depth as they could. How much they pack into yeah. an episode, especially given that like feels like every fifteen minutes there's a hundred new articles written mm-hmm. about all aspects of this that are going on. So those are the two that I would recommend. Uh, I don't know if you've been checking out anything in particular, but just that. I mean, corner. yeah, no, I mean it's. My, my my standard stuff, I my, my true crime stuff, a little little American history tellers. It was funny. One of these days, I the last time I left here, I stopped at the gas station next to the uh, uh, Columbia Airport on the way back in, and I guess I picked the worst pump because it literally took me almost forty five minutes to pump seventeen gallons worth of gas. But the attendant guy that was going through it, I kept hearing this voice. I'm like, what is that? And I realized he's listening to American Scandal about the Tuskegee experiments. And he and I sat there while my gas was pumping because I like had to rig it so that like it would actually automatically go, but it was still like, you know, slow as nails or snails, excuse me. And he and I actually had like a 20 minute conversation about how like dope podcasts are. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's crazy, man. Like just out of the blue, this guy's swooping up, you know, the gas station he works at. I'm just chatting, having a podcast while I'm waiting on this slow ass gas thing. Do you want to pivot and become like a just straight up, Hardcore news podcast. Yeah, we, you think we, you think we, there's enough? You think they need one more? I don't know. Do they? Let's, yeah. You think we should get another guy? I think we'll stay in our. If we our should lane. get some more guys. <laughs> All right, we'll get one more. Yeah. Uh, we should do the news, but like two weeks in it later. Two, two like weeks we always, later. Yeah. In we're fashion. Always late to the party. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what we're doing right now. Right now. Mm-hmm. So let's attempt to. Uh, we're getting the rust off the gears. We're we're taking the anchor up. We're gonna we're gonna cast off. And we're gonna attempt to steer this ship. Okay. Uh, let's bef- let's do our what uh, we've been watching. Let's find some <laughs> semblance of structure here. 
Okay. Uh, I don't have much that doesn't relate to what we've, what we're about to discuss. I rewatched Sinister because Veronica mentioned it that like, oh, that one's really creepy, and I was like, yeah, that is one of the few recent movies that genuinely creeps me the fuck out every time I watch it. And so we did that a few nights ago. Uh, still holds up. Fantastic rewatch. Uh, the other ones are new, so I will highlight something that was on the lost episode. I told you that I started The Sopranos. Right. Finally. Mm-hmm. I had I'd seen the first season, but I am properly now going back. I started back at the first, and now I'm... You want to guess where I am? You finished. You done. No, not quite. Season five. I am in season five. God, I'm good. Well, you, we also share a Prime account, so there you go. Oh, no, I, I have actually never looked. Matter of fact, most of the stuff I, I watch, I try to watch without you, you knowing. Have you... We talked about maybe you would start watching it. That has not occurred. No. I assume. I have okay. no I have some other stuff I'm into right here's, now. Here's what I'll say. I'm loving it. For me it's one of the, it's like a madman at this point where each season I like more than the last. Um but season five, episode one, they put their dick on the table in a very particular way, which is they had a newscast about three particular individuals who were finally getting out of jail that are related to the Soprano family. Mm-hmm. Played by Frank Vincent, who you'll know is Billy Batts from Goodfellas. Right. Just an iconic mobster movie guy. Robert Loja. <laughs> Me, Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> and I always think of his scene in Lost Highway where he fucking pulls the guy over for following too close and yells at him about traffic law and how he'll murder him if he doesn't drive more carefully. Which just sounds like what David Lynch always wants to say to people because he's very particular about driving, but he puts it in the mouth of Robert Loja. Talk about the Lost Podcast. You, you haven't watched, yeah. No. You've, ne- you've never made it to that one. And you haven't made me watch the, it either. The third who's getting out of prison is Buscemi finally showed up. Oh, okay. So I see this and I'm like, wait, this is what you guys got in store for season five? Because it's the opening scene and they're like, all these guys are getting out of prison. I'm like, oh shit. Because <laughs> spoilers... For people who have or have not watched, I the Joey Pants era has ended. Ah. Speaking of which, did you listen to Joey Pants on What the Fuck? No, I need to. It was a good one. It's a very good one. Again, dude, the opening episode like fucking broke my heart. They recorded it before Len Shelton passed away. Right. They had it banked up. And he reads this letter that Joey Pants sent to him afterwards. Oh, and I it just oh. oh man. Yeah, listening to his, like, I don't think I listened to the full episode who I, he was with I got the, the episode after, but, like, I listened to his intro, too, and I was just like, God, this is rough. Yeah, um, yeah we discussed that on our previous podcast. Again, go go watch Unshelton's movies. Uh, okay, so, yeah, I'm, I'm deep into The Sopranos. I'm, I'm hmm. probably going to finish season five by the end of the week. And then six is a monster. It's twenty episodes or twenty one. So wow, yeah, they're almost trying to do like a whole. It's you know. basically six and seven. I don't know if there was a huge gap in between. I don't know, but hmm. uh, yeah. So I'm I'm on the tail end. I've crossed the the halfway mark. It's great. It's fantastic. I'm not hedging my bets, but I I will just say right now, I I it's not gonna top the wire six feet under for me. Like it's not possible. I love it. I'm enjoying every minute of it, but loving I, every minute of it. Yeah, but I, I, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think it's gonna trump either of those for me. My two, my two favorite and best right there. Uh, how you doing? TV. We got it. 
Horatio Caning. Oh, Horatio Caning is great, dude. I'm telling you, man. I was talking about this with Dad this weekend. Season nine is like <laughs> it's when it really gets good. No, dude, that's it's like really gets that's when that show knows what it is. It's firing <laughs> all fu- it all fuck. It's firing all all fucking cylinders. Literally six to nine. Like they introduce Cordoza. You know these names mean nothing to me. I Jesse love it. Cordoza. It's Eddie Sibrian. They introduce him. Still, Listen, these names mean nothing. I, I, just I talk, go. Just go. I talked to Dad this about is your the episode. Okay, I talked to do Dad it. about how like oh yeah you know they do the one where it's like. Before all this started, and H didn't have the shades, but then Doko gave him the shades, and he was like, Eric, go learn to be a cop, and then come find me, and we'll work together. And, like, Adam Rodriguez leaves for a little bit, I would assume, to do the first Magic Mike. This is a timing matches up. They bring in Eddie Sibrian's character, and you're like, great, Cardoza, we got this great thing. There is an, I shit you not, dude, there is an episode where there are so many cameos, you would blow, it would blow your mind if I told you literally, like, Three people that are in it. Malcolm fucking McDowell. Um, uh, <laughs> you said it all. You're good. Michael. Um, Imperioli. No, no, no. What's his face? With the ear. Madsen. Madsen, yes. Um, he definitely seems like he belongs in the, the Miami universe. And there's another... God, what was... Who was the guy? He was he was just on something we both love, but I can't what, think of his okay, name. So how many of you got left, and how much time do you have left? Doesn't it end in like a week? I think so. I've got like maybe one or two more seasons. I get, that's two what I've been trying... seasons? I got to binge through all those. And in, in the middle of that, I stupidly started Hannibal, and I watched the first season of that. Did I tell you, you that? I tell you, I thought about... No, I thought about jumping in when it popped up on Netflix... Um. Oh no! I know! I know! I've heard nothing but amazing things about it. But just, what they do because with it was it. network. I just you know, and it's not even a full like twenty four. Yeah, it's only like thirteen. But well, because it was in it was in the midst of the when prestige started to creep into the network space, right. basically. And Hannibal is one of those that for me got lost in the shuffle, and I just never checked it out. Because this is but, what I was gonna say. Just my little math brain is how I look at stuff. So you got, it's like somebody in the pitch meeting was like, hey, you know what the best part about, like, you know, this whole thing is? What? Will Graham, right? Yeah, yeah. But what if, like, Hannibal Lecter kind of, like, became Will Graham a little bit? What if we What if I put Will Graham in prison and Hannibal Lecter's on the other side of things? And they ran with it. And, like, my math theory is... You don't have a. Gr- I mean, Brian Cox is amazing, but serviceable as, as Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. William Peterson fucking kills it. Okay, killer protagonist. Okay, yeah. Hannibal Lecter. Nobody knows about it, right? Anthony Hopkins, amazing. Okay, Jodie Foster killing it. Great protagonist. Great Hannibal Lecter. Academy Awards. People love it. Hannibal, Tony Hopkins. As far as I'm concerned, it's okay. He's great. Works in it. Only saw Hannibal twice. Julianne Moore, not such a great, like, Clarice Starling. Be careful what you say. See, the whole issue, I mean, we could do a whole podcast about that. The whole issue with that movie is her coming into, like, the aesthetic is completely different. The tone is different. And it's so drastic on top of that to have a different actress in that role. If it was Julianne Moore and a new Hannibal, but they're never going to do that. Because he became the star. if you subbed... Jodie Foster into the Hannibal movie that Ridley Scott created, that would not work either. So Julianne Moore is caught in this weird nether realm of Ridley's. like, oh yeah, yeah, of like 
trying to be a new Clarice, but like it's a Clarice that works for the movie Ridley Scott is making, but it's so jarring compared to the Jodie Foster performance. Right. Meanwhile, Hannibal, you have the consistency of Hopkins, who is dialed up to eleven in Hannibal. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that and that has the movie has way bigger problems. Mads does I a great job. I think where you were You'll going with this though, Ed Norton fantastic will graham we still prefer peterson but like we got to acknowledge at least and then um yeah no i've never seen i've only seen mads play him in clips but i've always been like obviously second to tony he would probably he would probably edge out brian cox at the very and whoever the fuck even though cox again is incredibly underrated in man yes and whoever Um, the hell was in that Hannibal rising movie that I, I we, that we don't even speak of. That so. I skipped watching Superman in film 185 to go see with Chad Doherty. I skipped class to go see Hannibal Rising, and I've never forgiven myself for it. And neither has Why Dr. Kunkka. You he's shouldn't. Li- he's reminded me of that several times. You should not. Okay, I did realize I actually do have a few more TV I need to hit real quick. Go for it. Finally finished Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Uh-huh. It was a blast. It's fantastic. Can't wait to rewatch it. I've talked about how the jokes just hit so quickly. You probably miss half of them every episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did the interactive special, which was also very fun. The way that they played with the conventions of like forcing you into choices. Mm-hmm. Very, very smart stuff. I enjoyed it. It's a good time. Uh, so big thumbs up overall for the series. What We Do in the Shadows Season 2 just wrapped. I loved it just as much as Season 1. That show's killing it. If you haven't seen it, it's available on Hulu right now uh, from FX on Hulu. So uh, go check that out. 20 episodes now. They're all gold. Uh, but this season in particular, uh, if, if you're a fan of the Colin Robinson character, you will love it. He has a highlight episode that is arguably one of like the three best of the series. So... Uh, go check that out and then i know this much is true graciously finally ended last week uh and just in spite of everything managed to turn the corner in the final episode and make all of the just despair and pain and just like what the hell am i watching this is like you know you know Misery porn is how that's referred to. Misery, excuse me. Yes, um, that you had basically had to sit through for five and a half hours, and somehow miraculously, it turns the corner. And I can't imagine reading this book, which apparently is nine hundred pages, and getting to the summation of it. And it totally pays off and makes the the journey worth it at, uh, to a certain extent. And I, again, incredible performances. Uh, from Mark Ruffalo and all of the supporting cast, but Ruffalo, like he's, if he doesn't clean up the Emmy, I will be absolutely shocked. Just hmm. top to bottom, amazing. Um, again, emotionally wrenching, an extremely tough show to watch and get through. You will go through bouts of like, I what should I be white? But it's so well made and well crafted. And again, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And what the the tone that it ultimately strikes at the end was so much more hopeful than I ever thought we'd be able to get out of all of this really, really dark, heavy stuff. Hmm. Uh, so I highly recommend it. Again, I understand that that's not what a lot of people probably want to be watching right now, but uh, it will be there for you on HBO whenever you're ready, and it I, I highly recommend it. But know what you're getting into. It is an emotional journey for sure. Uh that's it on the TV front and movie front for me as far as what I've been watching. You got anything else or you want to hop to it? I watched a little movie called Heart 8. 
you didn't sneak this one past me. I knew you watched it. Yeah, I know. What'd you think? I, uh, I, crazy. I mean, the, the it was pitched as like, oh, before Boogie Nights, this was a thing this guy made. And I'm like, okay. But I'm like, why did, why was this not like a bigger deal? It was fucking great. Yeah. Like amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's incredible. It's, I, um, I get how he made Boogie Nights after this. Like so, anybody watching this should be like, this is a. Part of it, and I may be, I may be slightly misremembering, but the original title of the movie is Sydney, named after the Philip Baker Hall character. Okay. And because, as you can see, it's a character study. It's about him centrally. Right. He oh, has yeah, the central no. focus. Hard Eight almost seems like an arbitrary. Like that was a studio title that got put on afterwards. And I don't know if he had final cut on this. Probably not. And even as much as like you can feel all of the the PTA ness of it mm-hmm. from start to finish, it. I don't know if it is 100% his original cut that is available widely out there. Now. Right. And I don't know if there are two separate cuts or not. But, and I don't know if it was a release. I, I don't know why it kind of, like, was not the kickoff. And I think in certain circles and, like, you know, cineast and everything, people were like, oh, shit, this is a guy to keep an eye on. And then Boogie Nights was the one, much in the same way that you go Reservoir Dogs to Pulp Fiction, that, like, holy shit, now everybody knows who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I, and I don't know why it kind of, in just modern discussions of him in general, and part of that is because there is kind of these two distinct periods of his career so far, but Hard Eight just usually kind of gets left by the wayside or like kind of forgotten. But again, I love it mainly because Philip Baker Hall, who like crushes it in every single supporting performance you've ever seen him give, but is the ultimate one of those guys who you're just like, why is this guy never the fucking lead? Right. Why is he not the lead? Yeah. And when you finally let him do that, you're like, holy shit. John C. Riley's incredible in it. Again, this is, I feel like most people came to know him as a comedic actor, but you're like, this is fucking. No, dude. Been in the game no, for a listen, while. No, listen. I don't mean to, I don't even like to bring it up. The fucking perfect storm when he turns to the guys like this is gonna upset my kid i'm like fucking john c Riley, dude man don't do this shit to me because i had never known him as a comedy person i only knew him as someone serious Mm -hmm. so to see the transition to comedy like god that that fucking dewey cox is real funny but you know it but i did i enjoyed every bit of this i it was vegas it was you know a, a, a weird like weird side version of Vegas only thing that really didn't do it for me is fucking Gwyneth Paltrow just never does and it, it is one of those that I I'm, I'm totally like I, I don't know if there's any movie where I'm actively like no she's the only person who could play this role but it is one of those where I'm like you could sub pretty much anybody else in there At whereas the time, like everybody yeah. else feels rock solid i'm not saying she's bad in it but i totally no, she's agree not with bad, you but it's like it, it's there's nothing there's nothing definitive in in terms of like you can lose your spot if we're doing like a, a line change right on a hockey team you're well, gonna well, i'm gonna yell it the first second i get glad you enjoyed it maybe now you go through the, the whole, was that which ones have you not seen after that you seen boogie nights yeah keep uh, going you've seen shit Magnolia. I'm no. just trying to go chronologically. No, I haven't seen Magnolia. Magnolia, I believe, is still on Netflix. Okay. Three hours, heads up. I think yeah. you will love it. It is The, it the, is the bits I've seen, a, I'm like, I like this. It is definitely a divisive movie, and like some people find it incredibly pretentious. I've, I rewatch it just as much as I rewatch any of his movies. I think it's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, Punch Drunk Love after that. Yeah, I've seen that. There Will Be Blood. 
Of course. Obvi. 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 Um, the Master. No. Uh, Inherent Vice. I started it and fell asleep and didn't Dude, finish I get it. another one where I'm like, you would fucking love this it's movie. A Gavin you just movie, need yeah. to watch it. We just need to do that as like a 10 episode run. Just call it Gavin movies. And it's like every Gavin movie you think I would love. I mean, we've hit a lot of them in the course I know, of two yeah, by two. You gotta retro find movies. some more. You gotta find some more big guns to bring out for sure. And, okay, uh, what else you got other Cape than Fear. Harley? I could talk about PTA all day, but. Cape Fear. OG or Scorsese? Scorsese. Hell yeah. It's on. Yeah. Is it Netflix has it right now? I think or so. Or Prime has it. Netflix One of them has, has it. it. I don't know. Yeah. I rewatch Cape Fear at least once a year. I'm actually, I'm kind of dressed do, like Max You Keaton do have right a little now. Max Keaton going on. It's My I, hair has like. grown out. I am wearing a Hawaiian shirt, which I pretty much only wear around the house Can now because apparently these are like a right-wing extremist thing now too. The Tiki Torch thing with those, right? I don't, I, I don't know who it's I connected to, but I know I don't want to be associated with it, so I'm not wearing Hawaiian shirts in public. Even though I live in Charleston and I know people would not bat it. Oh, eye, dude, I wear them all but, the time. But like mine have really funny things on them. Like one's a banana, one's a, a lot of uh, pink flamingos. Yeah. You got me this one. I did, yeah. It was a Christmas gift. I'm glad you're finally wearing it. Um, yeah, no. Can you give me like a... Can you give me your best impression? Counselor, come out, come out. Can you give me like your best I don't even know if I have the register for it right now, but you might. You're gonna learn about loss. That's that's see, that's not even what he sounds like. I know that. The reason I love it is it is just who knew De Niro had that gear. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like what other movie have you ever seen him just go for it to that degree? I'm not saying tattoos, fucking body language, body is like his physical. He doesn't look menacing, but then when his fucking shirt is off, you're like, I'm not fucking with that dude at all. And I did love, I've, 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 I've always want this in remakes, and so rarely does it happen. I love that you have Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum in there. It doesn't matter that they're two seconds and they're not that big of a deal, but and you have, have Robert Mitchum on the side of the lawyer and law, and you have... You know, Gregory much, Peck is the dirty lawyer, right? Right, defending right. the anti Atticus Finch. Yes, yeah, I love, yeah. I love that choice, and that's why, like, yes, the original is great. It's you know one of those that people always go to. It's, it's, it's incredible. incredible, but again, like the sheer like filmmaking audacity. Oh my god, dude! Throughout that whole, it's like the whole movie is just like from the time it starts, and it just I you can't see me right now because it's a podcast, yeah, no, but I'm just like. Yeah. Um, and it's so heightened, the score. Like, every, one of my favorites is just when they think they've gotten away and they're like, oh, we're going to get away from him. We're going to get down to the boat. And it's like, he's been under the car the entire, the entire time. time. He just rolls and you out just get it's a just giant dirty. musical sting of like, bah, bah, bah. just, yeah. yeah. I adore every. That is, that's a perfect movie. And that is one Joe, of those. Like, Joe Don Baker, movies. I did not realize was going to have that much of a, like, he was going to be in it that much. And then, like, it just so... Is this your first time watching it? I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Dude, this might just turn into a Cape Fear podcast. When the, Okay, so when he sets up the string trap all around the house and everything, and the, the rabbit moving, oh my all, God, dude. all the atmosphere, and then I love that he takes the time to get dressed in the, like, the maid's robe and everything. That is still one of the scariest shots ever. Um, it's up there with, like, a, the, I mean... I know it's not on the same level, but like it's the oh the Joker's now dressed as like a nurse. It's just that yes. the attention's like oh yeah I learned that in prison or whatever. Like just all the just the the menace. Now I can do Joe Don Baker. Some random maniac targets you and your family. You yeah, have to right, write protect you. Your <laughs> dude, I, 
Uh, dude, when he hires the goons and then they don't succeed, <laughs> he just literally torches like four dudes that come at him with crowbars and you're like and chains and stuff hey, maybe you guys should just move <laughs> like, like the last the last guy else. that's got a bicycle chain i'm like what are you doing just leave he's yeah, he's like taking bail. the other three how much did they dudes? pay you for this This is not enough let's go hey well it's gonna be a lot more to get three more guys but i was like no forget about it we're done it's like okay counselor cap there it is out here that's it dude that's the register yeah um Super fucking. I wish fun. I could do his laugh, but I can't do it. I love that it's Problem Child that they're watching. Yes, that's my favorite. <laughs> oh, I can't think of a more like obnoxious combination of his laughter on top of one of the most obnoxious movies ever made. I have like that. I remember Mom would because I rented both of those multiple times, mm-hmm. and I remember Mom would literally like have to be away from whatever TV was playing it because. That junior man just and then you got Godfrey in there going crazy. Oh God, That's, John, yeah, God rest John Ritter. Yeah, yeah, okay, but yeah. So those are my two new two, ones on top of the ones we're going to talk man. about. Two good ones because the other one I uh, you made me obviously I watched Surf Ninjas and Broke Down Palace, but we can get into that. Yes, we'll be back with a two by two retro review, but yeah. for now we actually have some new movies to talk about. Yes, finally. um. What do you want to kick it off with? I mean, I just finished King of Staten Island. Fresh so, in the brain? Yeah. Like if we you can do, do that. that. I watched it last night. Okay. Yeah. So? I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Don't be. It's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad. You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that fucking bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom. I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. I want to become a real tattoo artist. Your work is mad inconsistent. Obama ain't right. Oh, I love your tattoos. This is my favorite. (laughs) I've been dating someone for a little while now. The first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman just like that? You don't think that's weird? You're going to have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly, do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay. Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break. You ever think about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids, because you don't know if you're going to come home or not, and then your kids are fucked up. You make everyone around you feel crazy. People are normal, then they hang out with you, and then they're fucking Jack Nicholson in The Shining or something. I got to tell my mom you tried to drown me. To the fuck around pool, you're like fucking eight feet tall. And let me tell you something. Your dad was a hero. And heroes are necessary, and they should be allowed to have families. You gotta get your shit together. Time is passing by very quickly. Why do you think I smoke weed all the time? So I can slow it down. Everybody's always disappointed in me, and I never live up to anybody's expectations. Hey, thanks for listening to all this. You're one of the few people who treat me, you know, like a person. You're welcome.
All right, that was The King of Staten Island from 2020, directed by Mr. Judd Apatow, starring Pete Davidson, Marissa Tomei, Bill Burr, Steve Buscemi. Uh, who else is in there? Um, I don't know any of the friends' names. They were his, all good. Uh, Jose Yero, isn't he in there? Is he one of the firefighters? No. It looks like him. It sounds like him. It's not him. Okay. I promise you. All right. Cochi Loco was not in this movie. All I right. know. I know. My John Ortiz when he shows up, all right? Okay. Check the cast, though. I'm pretty sure he's not. <laughs> uh, okay, so this obviously was going to be released in theaters. This is one that got lost in the shuffle, and they made the decision, hey, we're going to put it out on VOD for people. It's a $20 rental right now. I think the main thing we'll be investigating beyond what we thought of the movie is, should people spend the $20 to rent this movie? Not purchase, but rent this movie for 48 hours. Yeah, that's what we're here to decide. For yeah, the people. You, you fucking should spend that money, dude. I mean, I'm dead serious. And as much as I agree, support the movie if you can. But also, I'm not going to judge you if you wait a couple weeks when this will inevitably drop down to fifteen, and then ten, and then it'll be a six ninety nine rental, and you'll probably still be able to purchase it. Um, but by all means, if you're starved for new stuff, jump on it. And that can I we... did. I did really enjoy it. Right. And we'll talk maybe a little more in depth about where it stands for you in the Apatow ranking of things. But I think a good place to start is how do you feel about Pete Davidson in general? And what did you think of him in this movie? I, I'm not going to say like, Oh, I've been a big Pete Davidson fan. I thought he was something fresh and interesting for SNL. And he, we should say, cause it comes up every once in a while, but you, have been on the modern SNL train for much longer than I have. You've you've kind of kept with it through thick and thin, mainly for, for the about mu- the last decade. Mainly for the music, yes. And it, it has become a a bit slash um, segment sort of thing. Finally, they like NBC let them like cut down to segments as opposed to like, oh, we can only have the whole show available, whatever, whatever. Um, and like I've literally everybody I've ever shown main justice to dies, and it still is the best. And you have, yeah. I was semi keeping up with it in the what I'll call the Samberg era when digital shorts were a right. huge part of the show was kind of what got me back into it. Mm-hmm. But I still was not following it week to week, and subsequently, I've gone back and watched a lot of that era because the people that came out of it, your Kristen Wiggs, your Fred Armisons, etc who I absolutely love and what they've got in Maya Rudolph. Sudeikis. Like, yes, all these people who have gone on and who are personalities I really enjoy. I was like, there's this whole era of SNL where they were all together, mm-hmm. working together constantly, and I just missed it. Did you so ever I've see when Kristen Wiig left? Her final episode? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure I've seen it at some point. The Rolling Stones were there. They played Ruby Tuesday yes, for her. She yes, left. Yes, it was yes, like yes, a nice yes, leaving yes. thing. And see, that that was part of the reason why I, I kept with it was because everybody talks about how, like, the history of the show at these certain points were like, what's it going to be? What's it going to do? Yeah. Oh my God. Will Ferrell comes out of nowhere. No one talks about the fact that like, you know, Rob Schneider and that crew, they had this sort of thing. Phil Hartman gets mentioned because of how great he was, but you know, on Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, they actively talk about how terrible it was to be on that show in that season. And mm-hmm. how like, apparently the night I just, just spoiler real quick. I just listened to them talking to Robert, Robert Hayes and Julie, uh, what's her face from airplane. And the one time that he hosts Haggerty, yes, that's it. The one time he she did just host, a marriage story last year, right? Yeah, 
and the, apparently the time Robert Hayes hosted, Gilbert was working on was on the show, and they announced that night that Eddie Murphy was going to be bumped from a bit player, day player, whatever, to like a full-time cast member. Mm-hmm. They talk about how Eddie Murphy's always been like, I was never a day player, bit player. I was always a full, like, full cast guy. Right. But like, they know for a fact it was on the show, like that happened. But seeing Kristen Wiig leave, seeing the crop of people that like the Sandbergs, Bill Hader, Sudeikis, seeing them all slowly. I forgot about Hader, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. Probably my single favorite person yes. to come out of that era. Seeing, Him and Armisen are like neck and neck. Up. Seeing those guys fizzled out. Seeing like, um, what's his face now that has the, the talk show at night? Um, he's got the new Found? Seth Meyers. Oh, Seth, Seth Meyers is that Seth actor. Seth Meyers yes. becoming in to do like update and then him passing and like now it's Colin Jost and Michael Ch- I love Michael Che. Knowing that like Keenan has been the thread of all of them since he was he was back when Sudeikis and all these guys were there. Right. Having him come off of like growing up with him with all that and Keenan and Kel, him finding his way to SNL, I'm not saying like, oh, I watched it for Keenan, but him being there he is that one constant yeah. there at all, yeah. And knowing that, like, they they were they did recently say we don't have a lot of black voices on the show. We don't have a lot of black actors at all. We need to diversify. And Lauren Michaels is like, yeah, you're totally right. I, you know, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. You know, but if you, you know, Jay if you, Farrow come in, you have Michael. He Jay, came in and left, and then Chris Red, yeah, Ego Wodum, the uh, Leslie. What's her last Jones. name? Leslie Jones, Jones yeah. yeah. Um, just it, it, that's the reason I kept up with, up with it because I was interested in like, well, wait a minute. How are they going to... This person I love yeah. isn't going to come back next year? Oh, this is going to suck. And then I'm like, oh, well, it's on. Here's the premiere. I'm not doing anything right. on this because a lot of it was I was home doing grad school shit. And I just, I loved it. And when Pete Davidson came in round, I was like, okay. Had no idea of his backstory, which mm-hmm. obviously this is a big, you know, it's a huge crux of this movie. Um, but everything I always saw him and I thought he was funny, but just something about him. I've watched his, his stand-up specials pretty funny and the bits he's done on there and like the whole, I just, his whole persona coming in and out. And I think oddly, he's kind of the best positioned right now of any of the cast members to like transition out of it mm-hmm. and still have a like substantial career outside of it. But We'll get into this a little more as we talk about the movie. I am curious what what other roles he's capable of going forward and how much he's willing to maybe attempt to stretch himself mm-hmm. outside of his kind of established persona. Um, okay, so from the top, we both recommended. Definitely. Whether you want to drop the 20 right now is kind of up to your own personal finances and discretion. Gavin is hugely advocating for it. I'm telling you, I, I don't know that you're like missing a huge conversation old movie let's just, by not seeing it immediately. Let's just, we, but, we'll say that we McConaughey it. Be really cool if you did, but that's it. You absolutely. Know? Be yeah. really cool if you did, but it's we, okay if but, you don't. Yes, we, we took the $20 bullet so you don't have to. Right. Uh, okay. But, again, we both think you should. Now, but spoilers are off. We, we both recommend it. Let's talk about whatever you want to talk about regarding the movie. First off, <laughs> first thing I went and looked up and read, just because it was burning a hole in the back of my brain, I appreciate that at least on her Wikipedia page, Marissa Tomei has said she doesn't really understand the idea of women getting married and having kids and like having that as a success symbol. Because as far as I'm concerned, if you're going to get a widow, you're going to get somebody that either 
never got married or lost somebody, you want it to be great, you go get Marissa to me. Every single role, it seems like. And she's even talked about that recently where she's yeah. like, I should have never done Spider-Man now. I'm just a friggin' mom to like everybody. Not even, it's not even a mom thing. It's like in the, she's in the bedroom, right? Yes, she Yeah, is. exactly. But <sighs> that's, that's the thing, dude. It's always her and no husband. Doesn't matter whether she's got kids or not. Isn't, what, what did I just see her in that like, it's the same thing. It's not Spider-Man. It was something else, but it was almost kind of like the same Sort of like mother by herself role, and for whatever I can't remember what it was. I I'm not sure. Yeah, but it, it that was burning a hole in the back of my brain. So I saw that instantly. Though I don't know whatever. I know he's been in other small things. Fucking Bill Burr. He he made that movie for me. I thought he was incredible. Fucking honestly. incredible, dude. Now the only person who I think tops it, and I think is the like heart and soul of the movie and he only has a little bit to do but yeah every once in a while you just you forget how fucking incredible steve buscemi is yes and he comes in with a killer scene in the back half of this movie that i was just like Mm -hmm. i i I literally wanted to like stand up give a little clap i was just like dude he's he's one of those guys who like granted the the face the look everything he's always usually people identify him as like Oh, he's a creepy dude, or like he plays weird good, or he plays, you know, different energies or whatever. But you forget that, like, he is one of the most grounded, normal, thoughtful, intelligent guys, like, on the planet. And when he needs to just play a normal human being, he's really fucking good at it. But he's very rarely called on to be this, like, restrained and just kind of, like, down to earth. That is the thing that I kept returning to throughout this movie, which is, I, it is oddly feels like the most grounded Apatow movie. Right. For as high concept as something like Four-Year-Old Virgin is, which is not to say it's actually high concept, it's just it's kind of an outrageous concept or right. knocked up on paper. Um, like these ones that you can kind of sell very quickly in a log line where it's like this is it's a coming-of-age story, you but can't it's not. Pitch, you can't pitch this in an elevator to someone. I don't think you in can. In a way that people are like, Oh fuck yeah! I'll yeah. put my money behind it. Exactly. But if you're like, oh, um, a but funny guy is a think, virgin, you know, yeah, or whatever, you can do that been, easily. I think he's been moving towards, and to me, this fits in the kind of triplet of funny people, train wreck, and now this. Whereas, and, and knocked up or knocked up is kind of earlier. Same thing with four year version. We'll talk about where they rank in a bit, but. Um, and then this is 40, I feel like is the one that gets lost and forgotten about that. I actually like really, really love. Now but, here's my thing is I think this is a direct product of his mentor passing and him finding all this stuff of his making a documentary and then moving forward, wanting to tell stories more in the vein of something that would be in that mode of like, what does it do for not just. At the at-large public this who watch it. This is more like, James L. Brooks, Cameron Crowe right. territory, tonally. Trying right. to, you know, not straining for the laughs, not... But they're there. Yeah. In full no, force. And they're they're definitely there in a very funny movie, like, pretty consistently. But the the gear shifting of kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to center this from the get-go. I'm not... This movie does not open with a huge laugh. Well, depending on how you look at it. Right. But... The opening, there's a bit of this in the trailer, which you think is like him maybe triumphantly driving at the end or having some kind of emotional catharsis. And when I saw it in the opening, I was like, oh, this is the opening scene of the movie 
where he essentially is driving on the highway and like closes his eyes and just like is just just driving with his eyes closed like devil may care and at the last second opens them has to slam on the brakes whips around a car accidentally causes like another accident and then drives away from it now you may watch that as like oh is this like a lat you know a laugh moment like oh holy shit that just happened or is this like what state of mind is this kid in mm-hmm. that like this is this is where he's at he's on, right. on the edge essentially and so i think it for me at least it was a statement of purpose from the opening where it's like i'm not like I'm definitely going for a particular tone in this one. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason I lumped it in, though, with funny people in Trainwreck, it's taking a, a real-life persona, and right. it's this, you know, amalgamized, fictionalized version of them. Funny people is like the, you know, the dark Sandler, essentially. Like, what if... I don't particularly think that Sandler's like an asshole in real life, but like, what if he was not a family guy, somebody, some guy who fucked it up and did get, like, swallowed into fame and just kind of, like... Or, like, fucked it up and got shot in the face. Yeah. Yeah. That, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so Sandler playing, like, somebody who's adjacent to his personality, probably part of his personality at one point in time, but, like, exploring, like, this is kind of a what-if, like, maybe if my life had gone in a different direction. Yeah. Um, train wreck, it's, like... Here's a bit of Schumer's persona and more of her stage persona and the stuff that she talks about integrated into it, but it also is about showing you that, like, she is, you know, she talks about a lot of dirty stuff, but she's actually, like, a pretty chill down there. Despite what uh, Colin, what's his face, what's his, what's what's her, who plays her dad? Sorry, Colin Quinn. Quinn, yeah, yeah. Despite what, like, all that, like, the fathering a little bit, like, she still is, like, kind of like a hopeless romantic type thing. And I, I mean, for my money, her and Bill Hader in that movie, no, so lived in, great and I think, and that's Absolutely. that's what I meant by the whole, the whole like Gary Shandlingus of it, like you know, Apatow doing that. And I didn't watch Crashing, but I've, everything I've heard about Crashing is like Pete Holmes saying like, yeah, Judd only vetoed certain things. It was like it doesn't, I don't believe it. And I feel like I wish There's there were a, more things a, that it, it's a thing that i mean it has been there from the beginning of not his entire career but for what he started to become known for freaks and geeks has always kind of remained the rosetta stone of like that's how you do a grounded like great true to life dramatic story and the laughs come naturally from it right they're not forced it's just it's so honest and real mm-hmm. when the laughs come they're even they hit even harder because you just these are real people to you they're not joke machines right and that's been carried through to undeclared and four-year-old virgin again a movie that on paper sounds like the most raunchy like ridiculous thing you've ever heard and is one of the sweetest yes. most thoughtful that's, movies yeah. i've ever seen about relationships and it's just like he's always navigated that very well and i think the same is true here I, th- I thought Pete Davidson was pr- pretty fantastic top yeah. to bottom while fully acknowledging that this I don't think is as much outside of his comfort zone or his public persona and things we've heard him talk about and address. There's there's a bit of mental health addressed here. Which he openly did on SNL a exactly, couple times. Exactly, which it doesn't go super in-depth on, but at the same time, that almost lends to the realism of it, the fact that it's like, we're aware of it, but we don't, we're not talking about it the whole time and it definitely informs how you view some of his actions and his his performance in general which where there is a little bit of manic energy between like 
You yeah. Know? Super ecstatic and happy and excited and like very, very dark and broken up at the same time. And I think he acquits himself pretty nicely throughout. But the smart things that, or smart thing that Apatow does, of course, is like the supporting cast is all like phenomenal. So everybody is elevating shit essentially. Mm-hmm. So you've seen the trailer. I'm sure you're vaguely aware of it. He's essentially a 24 year old burnout, live at home kid. Uh, his father died. <clears throat> In the movie, in just a random hotel fire. Right. Of course, in real life, his father died during 9-11. That distinction right there in and of itself, the kind of disconnect from it and framing it as more of a, like, you know, almost even more tragic because it's this, it's something that happens to firefighters all of the time. There is this one dude, day that gets remembered no, as dude, the when, day for firefighters, when, but it's... When yeah. Explosion in the Sky was on... And they were going to that fire the first time. I was like, please don't let fucking Bill Burr get burned up. He oh, can't I, go through I more honestly, tragedy. Like, there can't be more. It's so I, tragic from the get, and you get the pain of it. You see it. Even with, like, Marissa Tomei drinking with her sister, whoever her friend is, and, like, kind of having to force both of them out. Mm-hmm. You get it. It's the, the tragic element of everything that I think in most movies would be like trying to be thrown at you again or like hook you back in like, hey, guess what? It's always here. That is removed because it's such a traumatic thing that's happened to this kid and the family and essentially just the three, the brother, the sister, and the mother. Yeah. And to see Which how... Which should also say Maud Apatow oh, continues to be fantastic. Yeah. Did you watch Euphoria? No. Okay. I want to, in, though, in now your, that it's just, done. You know, because, yeah. yeah. I watched like one episode at, at the beach one time and I was like, this looks you'll, dope. You'll get hooked. Into yeah, it. I'm sure I will. Um, but just the, the the idea of like the sister is semi-okay and she's going off to college. What am I going to do with mom and this and that? And my like, I felt I felt like everybody who was technically like a friend character, I felt like if he didn't know them already and like know they could do it, if these are just actors they pulled off the street if they didn't hang out or like get to know each other at all, all of them are just, they feel so lived in and feel like they would, that's all they did. Like, even if they did just sit in somebody's basement and get high for a couple of days, you know, to get to know each other, like it feels so lived in. And I think one thing that we haven't mentioned is the character, like Staten Island is a character in this movie with all that they Which talk is about it. The cliche and that's thing my favorite say, yeah. thing about it. Now, and there is a lot of talk about it and there's a lot of, just the mentality of the air, which is communicate. Like he starts working at a restaurant because he's got to make some money or whatever. Just the people he encounters or whatever. You get the feeling that like if you're from there and you're watching this, it's probably hitting even harder. Exactly. But it's like you get it. At the same time, I don't know that like, and maybe it's not worth exploring visually, but I was kind of like, I don't know that I got a sense of it as a place visually. Like mm-hmm. them existing in the, of course, there's a big sequence where they go to New York, New York, like, yeah, like towards the, the end, yeah, and which was recognizable to me. But I was like, well, is this all that Staten Island is? Or, you know, um, but again, I felt the flavor of it, the essence of it is there from the characters and the interactions and stuff, maybe not so much in like the visual storytelling, right? Um, but yeah, I thought the dynamic with the friend group, all that stuff, like played really well. I know. Two of those kids, I think, I'm semi-familiar with. One of them was in Kings of Summer, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. A little indie movie from a couple years ago. But yeah, they all had great chemistry. He's, uh, so Pete Davidson's character, What what is he called in the movie? Scott. Scott, thank you. Which is the hook bigger than anything. 
His father didn't die in 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 nine eleven in this story, but the movie's dedicated to his father, Scott. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, and I I, I want to I want to look at look it up further. Like I said, I just I just finished it. I want to know if that was a choice from the get go of like I want to name him Scott. This is like a way to help me work through all my shit. Whatever shit I've got left, like I'm gonna essentially kind of do this thing and like have it be cathartic. Or if, like, it was always written as, like, this is Scott, you know, named after your dad, and, like, we're not going to well, make he it He is a co-writer on the movie with Apatow, yeah. and there is a third guy who I don't know if he just came in for joke punch-up or Maybe. what. But, um, yeah, so I assume that was probably there from the get-go. I didn't, yeah. I didn't even put two and two together, even though, it, yes, it is dedicated yeah. to him at the end. Um, so he's an aspiring... He's kind of aimless and wandering, kind of a shut-in, essentially, with his group of friends. They sit around, they get high, they bullshit. That, that's their life, essentially. But he kind of vaguely wants to become a tattoo artist, and he's totally okay at it. Um, yeah. Hasn't really, like, fully applied himself. No. Uh, there's a brief scene, which I thought was oddly very realistic to the tattoo industry from what what we know of it you have a ton of tattoos did you catch one of my best friends is a tattoo artist but did you catch the artist yeah the machine gun kelly makes a brief yeah. cameo which i guess they're also Coulson in big time out Barber? adolescent together like, that's that guy's name uh, colson what the fuck i would um, i looked it up and it was like because I was on Wikipedia, and of course I hit the name, and it brought up the little bubbles, like, better known as Machine Gun Kelly. I was like, I thought that was him, but I wasn't sure. And, like, I'll be honest, not a huge fan of, like, him as a persona or a dude, but, like, The Dirt, which is not a good movie, I thought he was totally fine in. Like, I wasn't mad at him for it. And then, what else have I seen him in? He was the smartest one. He got the fuck out of there in in, uh, Bird Box. Which, again... That smartest uh, overall decision, like yes, movie there wise, so in much, real life, uh, yes. and in the movie itself, <laughs> yes. leave yes. the movie, get the leave fuck the out of there. Yeah, yeah. So I, again, he's one of those guys who's maybe slightly unproven to me, but at the same time, I haven't seen. I think there's something I, else he's in that that I don't know if he's got it necessarily, but like, I'm not actively like mad when he pops up, even though I'm not like gonna go seek out the next Machine Gun Kelly venture. <laughs> Yeah. Same time. So, uh, but yeah, very realistic scene where he comes in and he's like wanting to get an apprenticeship and he basically explains to him what an apprenticeship is and what it would be like. And he's like, well, why the fuck's it got to be like that? And he's like, because everybody wants to fucking be like, there's a giant line to do this. That's why there is like mm-hmm. a structure to this industry and everything. Anyways, liked all of that. Um, basic early on, he tattoos a little kid at the beach. An underage kid, like a line. My that's yeah. my favorite bit. One of my favorite jokes is like, "Oh, I fucking love that kid. I was down for that kid. Fucking millennials again. We are the millennials. <laughs> are the I fucking <laughs> love that. that." Was like, yeah, that was one of my favorite bits. So he tattoos this kid. the The kid freaks out, runs home. His dad is Bill Burr. Bill Burr's divorced from Pamela Adlon, who's also great in this movie. Where else has she been in? Uh, she was on Louie. On FX for a while, and she has an FX show called Better Things now, which is hers. Um, and I guess CK's still a producer on it. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but Better Things is still running. She's also the voice of Bobby Hill on King of the Hill. Um, she's she that's, was in Say Anything. She's the third. That's where, the third friend. You know, dude. I I'm not gonna say I thought that because I didn't, but like I kept hearing her talk. I was like, 
I've seen her sit around You've and talk to somebody before. Of things what fucking forever. thing is? But I, again, I'm not. I wasn't in the mindset of like, let me look this up. I just wanted to finish the movie. Yeah. I wasn't trying to uh, so stop it. Bill Bohr, Bill Bohr, Bill Bohr, Bill Bohr, Bill Burr is divorced from Pamela Adlon. They have two kids. He comes to Marissa Tomei's house to be like, "Where's your son? Who the hell did this to my kid?" Long story short, eventually, after he blows up on her in that scene, he comes back. They have a great. A great that is, second meet dude, cute. That, I, I cannot moment, think dude. of I cannot think of anybody else that I would want to see play these characters this way. And I, I'm sorry, that anchors the movie for me. That is a perfect I am more, scene. That is I, literally dude, a perfect scene. I where the two of them go out the, to I want for the coffee. movie just from his perspective. Yeah. I want to know the other side of everything. I get you're getting it through, you know, Scott's perspective and him jumping back and forth on it and, like, all the his shit he has to deal with. We should also but, mention in the midst of this, he has a friend with benefits, essentially, that he's known his entire life. Right. Who clearly would like to be in a relationship, and he's just kind of emotionally checked out in general. He's figuring his shit out. So, yeah. Uh, basically, eventually his mom... Uh, or he starts walking the kids to school, develops a relationship with them. Yeah. Um, begrudgingly develops a relationship with Bilber and some of his firehouse buddies who he goes out with and kind of explains his perspective as a child of a firefighter and why he thinks that firefighters should not have families because mm-hmm. then they can't not come home to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, tough scene. But eventually, basically, he he and Bilber are at odds, of course. Uh and it does come to a head because they do fight yes. each other. They fight. Marissa Tomei essentially throws them both out on their ass mm-hmm. and says, hey, get your shit together. Uh, yeah. And they, they go off into the night. Prior to this, his friends get locked up. This is the one element that's a little like... Uh, that scene's a little too long for me, for one thing. Right. Uh, where they go try and rob... They're robbing a pharmacy, right? Yes. Because they sell, like, oxys and stuff like that on the side. But they had a key, and they don't know that, like, the people who own it, like, live there. there. He's the lookout. He screws up on being a lookout. But they were already in the house anyway. Like, they were inside the store, so it's not really that big of a deal. What he could have been looking out for. But that scene went on way too long with the calling the phone and the... Yeah. Yeah. Didn't need it all, because ultimately it was a... It was one of those where I was like, "Do we are we trying to have some legit dramatic stakes in terms of like this is the path his life is going down?" Because it's like these kids are like, they're fuck ups, but they're not like malicious at the same time. Yeah, yeah, you're not necessarily looking at them like that. So then the three of them get locked up for we don't know how long or whatever. So they're kind of like removed from the equation. And it's and like I, he clearly needs to get outside of his friend group, right, even yeah. though the one guy Igor seems to oh actually God, have I a pretty so bad head. for him, yeah. dude. When he's like, I let you, I don't, I don't, I don't really like your tattoos. Not as much as I say they do. He, I regret my friendship with you guys. Yeah. And then like the fact that the, the girl payoff that his, his social media girlfriend is actually real. real. Yeah. Is pretty great. Uh, yeah. So eventually he's got no place to go. He screws things up yet again with the on again, off again girlfriend. Right. Uh, and he ends up at the firehouse with Bilber. Right. And basically he takes them out. They eventually like truly bond. Whereas before it had been kind of a surface level thing. You have the great scene with Buscemi again, where all of these guys are kind of telling stories about his dad. A lot of them knew him 
and kind of humanizing him to him where it's like, yeah, your dad was a great guy, but yeah, he was a little crazy too. Like he did coke every and, once in a while and, and he I would pull that... crazy stunts, but he was really likable. So people let him get away with shit and him kind of having him demystified as, you know, not this like perfect hero guy, um, gives him some kind of, you know, relief essentially. And then basically we build to, and I'll be honest, I liked what they did here, but it is very, very ham fisted the way that the movie maneuvers to get our three principal characters back together again, which is basically action. Bronson shows yes, up with a stab it, wound. Now this shit is great. I love it. I do. I feel like they just went with it. There was no script. I feel like they yes. just if they just went with the shit, and that's what I love. Give me some it. assistance, please. <laughs> no, no I police. Fell on a briar patch. I did this. Now you know it's a misunderstanding. We're friends again. It's okay, now, but you know I've how always, it is. I've only seen him in two movies. I'm not. I don't watch his Vice show or whatever. I'm not that familiar with the guy. But between this and the Irishman, he's a scene stealer, man. Dude, I got to be honest. He's a scene stealer. But he comes basically. He's just a random dude walking through. They're out on a. Uh, a fire call or whatever. he's the only one at the station so he ends up helping that he gets to be a hero essentially yes. even though like dude the again the absurdity of like bring him into the waiting room this guy is bleeding out of his gut okay so are this you paperwork. shot or stabbed but the i yeah. felt a briar patch fill out this form <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite and bit. then bill burr shows up and gets things rolling uh and then of course they're at the hospital where marissa tomei works so, and she realizes, oh, you love my son enough that you're going to let him practice tattoos on your back. Yes. And a tattoo he did after a while was all of you you being in our family picture with yeah. weird fucking eyes. But like, you know, you're going to be in our family picture. I just, yeah, I, that's, yeah. And, and that's the thing. And I don't know if it's conditioning. I don't know if it's a, my own mindset, but I was so convinced something else bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get it out of my mind. Like, I'm thinking, well, when that fire truck goes off, it's just not going to... Because I don't think... I, what I Maybe it's just what I watch. I don't get a lot of feel-good movie. Even though there is, it's not like yeah. whatever. There's always some hook or whatever that's like, oh, yeah, this nice thing that you had. Life is fragile, so, like, appreciate it because, boom, Bill Burr is going to die in a fire. Yeah. Something like that. And the fact that it never went there, and it literally is just this little microcosm, jump in, see these characters, they feel really lived in, they feel of the of where they're going where, where they're at, yeah. you know, and everybody seems to be playing it. Again, they're not, play, it's not played for laughs at all. It's just a, yeah, I don't want to say a, slice a, of life, there's but a it's. Few, there's a few moments where it maybe feels a little, a little overwritten here and there where it's like, okay, you could have trimmed that and it would have felt a little more natural. But overall, again, the characters feel so lived in that none of that really like stands out in stark contrast. Um, the ultimate like end point falls a little flat for me because it kind of hooks things back into him making things right with the girl who he's kind of which i'm glad he did but the fact that that was kind of the main end point suggesting that that was kind of a major thrust of the movie i kind of liked that it wasn't a like he's got to get his shit together to be with the girl that's not the narrative of this movie Mm. at all but it is ultimately where it ends which is he comes back and what saved it for me though is I thought that was one of his best scenes where he very casually actually like voices something that probably has been hard for him to say or whatever, but it's like, 
I love you. Like, I really care about you. Blah, and, blah, blah. The way he delivers that. And if you look in the at it thematically like, under, yeah. there is no quote unquote resolution with the sister, but you get that like, that'll, that'll work itself out. They, they love each other regardless, but the love my sister regardless. We've been in this together. She's gone. It's just me and mom. Mom brings a new man in. I'm not digging it. Mom kicks me and man out. So like I've lost mom and potentially new father. Just, this is just really simplistic. Okay. Now that I've learned that, Hey, the guy that coming back in, isn't a bad dude. I love him. They had the scene. I love you. Yeah. Okay. I'll be the guy like, oh, I'll be saying, Oh man, even though I never said it, no, I love, <laughs> yeah. you know, stuff like that, which again, fucking Bill Burr. Perfect. And then I don't know the, I don't know who it is, but the, the big, the big, like he's in the shower cleaning or whatever. He's like, Hey, hey, who's, you know, you're so-and-so's kid. Sorry for your sacrifice. I'm like, God, that's just like, I don't know if that guy was actually a fireman or what. but I, From what I understand, the majority of the extras yeah. that are not actors that you know are actual Well, see, that's why I wondered if that was like Steve Buscemi's old house he was at. It may be for, I, I haven't done the trivia deep dive Or, on or if one, anything, but. if it was anybody that, I mean, obviously I think most of the people that would have been there that were his dad's age probably don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But if it was anybody, I just want to know how much catharsis and true life this is for him. Because I do think... That's not necessarily his narrative. I don't think he's ever played into the oh my dad died like it's a thing. But I don't. I don't ever think of a time where I can think people put it as oh yeah, Pete Davidson, his dad, you know, the kid whose dad died. It's it's just they meet him as it's himself. One of those things. If you know him beyond like kind of the surface of a persona, you probably have come across that piece of information at some point. And he has addressed it in like the most recent stand-up special. Yeah. I, I'm sure he's brought it up multiple times on SNL. But it's like, it's did you. It, it, it is one of those things where it's almost, it is a defining thing that a lot of people do know about him that mm-hmm. have like delved beyond the surface. And it's almost like kind of addressing this in such a big public way in a mainstream movie is, like you said, I think a, a certain amount of catharsis of being able to like kind of move beyond this at a right. certain point and still acknowledge it, but have this piece of like, I honored my dad. I've, you know, this is the ultimate summation of like where I've come out on it. I had these feelings at one point. Now I see the sacrifice these guys go through, why it's important for them to have families too, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, I think all of that's baked in there. So yeah, I mean, it, but then, but just real quick to get back my, to my little simplest thing. Once mom is back in the picture and new father figure, quote unquote, once that's all settled up, that really is the only thing left to tick off. But the cool. fact that it's like, it's almost like, okay, I had to go through all this other st- stuff to get here. To start, I just, on a personal note, I love that they start with Cuddy and they end with Cuddy. That's my, that's when I, that, that's when I knew I loved this movie. Mm-hmm. It started with, um, uh, Andy Cud, that album, and ends with Pursuit of Happiness, which I mean, really, that's, you can play that in any movie and I'm, it's, It'll, it, it's yeah. gonna work. But yeah, I mean, I don't, it is, Two hours is kind of. It's a little long a in the tooth, yeah. honestly. So, but I mean, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be honest, dude, overall I'm gonna give it a nine. I, I think it's. Really I'm at good. a sol- solid eight out of ten. Yeah, honestly. Um, now, briefly before we move on, where does it rank for you in the Apatow scheme of things? What's your favorite Apatow? Oh man, I don't even know. I don't think I've seen all of them. I know I haven't seen this as forty. And I haven't seen funny people. Well, it'd probably be really hard to rank them then, so I won't make you do that. Um, this one's like... 
middle-ish for me. But again, I like this mode. I want to see more of this from right. him. And I think he's gradually moved into this territory in general where it's very very grounded and there are jokes, but it's like it's not the central focus. And I think he's he's gotten out of the four-year-old virgin and knocked up. You're still seeing the sort of like runner setups where right. it's just like joke, 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 joke. How many jokes can we cram into this back and forth? And that's kind of that was kind of the brand early on mm-hmm. for their movies and some of the McKay stuff as well. And I feel like all of them have kind of outgrown that like mm-hmm. style of filmmaking in general. Right. So I yeah I think it's a it's a jump forward for him. I don't I won't necessarily say it's his best movie. I think it's incredibly well put together. I still think it's a it is one of those things where I'm like you could trim up some of the storytelling here and it could be a little bit more of a like but it, again i don't know if that takes away from some of the lived in quality i you know i don't know we've never seen a shortened apatow cut of anything right. so it's hard to tell what that would look like uh but as it stands yeah no i i highly recommend it i i i think anybody who was on board with checking it out anyways you're not going to leave disappointed essentially no. if you decide to throw down the 20 because you were excited for this when it was going to drop you're not all you're not going to regret your purchase i will i will say that much yeah. uh so yeah that was the King of Staten Island, and now we're going to move on to something that pretty much everybody can watch, because again, we assume that almost everybody in the world has Netflix, or at least people that listen to this show. Hope so. We're talking about The Five Bloods from Mr. Spike Lee. Take a listen to the trailer. Black G.I., is it fair? Deserve more than the white Americans that sent you here. Nothing is more confused than to be ordered into a war to die without the faintest idea of what's going on. I dedicate this next record to the Soul Brothers of the 1st Infantry Divisions. Be safe. Welcome back to Vietnam. Look what I found. You're the man in all his glory. Who was that guy? That brother was the best damn soldier that ever lived. We bury it. Made our own, we come back and collect. I shall resign the presidency. Being back here, it is not easy. Broken man. So what, you blaming yourself? You don't even know. No! been dying for this country from the very get now the time is there are things to really we give this call to our people hold up 
my line of work, I have to be very careful. And that means knowing exactly who I am in business with. Right, the five bloods for Mr. Spike Lee from 2020. I don't know why I have to. I feel I always say that for the retro reviews, but hey, these are new. So yeah, it's yeah. it's all good. Anyways, starring Mr. Isaiah Woodlock Jr., uh, Norm Lewis, who I'm admittedly not very familiar with, Clark Peters, Jonathan Majors, and I'm gonna say it right here from the top before we get in depth at all. <clears throat> If Delroy Lindo does not win Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars this year, I will be furious. Me too. What an absolute knockout. Fuck yeah. Just, we've grown up on him. He's never bad in anything. He's one of those guys who elevates everything he's in. But, holy shit. He absolutely blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Okay. Defy Bloods, for those unfamiliar, you got a lot of it from the trailer, but this is... The story of five Africa. We didn't mention Chadwick Boseman, excuse me, in the cast rundown. Listen, it just should be assumed that he is in everything. <laughs> okay? The man literally, the only reason he couldn't play Creed was because he was busy doing Selma or something else or whatever other movie he was doing. He's every historical figure ever, Noah. He was not in Selma. I know. It's David Oyelowo. Did he but... not? I thought he played. Didn't he do something? No, Thurgood. That's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of that one. Sorry. I think he, he did play Thurgood Marshall. Right. Is that right? James Brown. Yes. Jackie Robinson. Yes. Um, T'Challa. Yeah, King T'Challa. Part of history. Right. Wakanda exists. Mm-hmm. Um, did we hit all this? There's some more in there, right? There's a couple more in there. That guy from 21 Bridges. Yes. That's a true story. Oh, the King. Oh, what was the one he did? The King. The Netflix one. Oh, the other Netflix one. Oh, dude, that was good. Didn't see it. Dude, real fucking good. Okay, well, but anyways, before we get it, where do you want to start with this one? We we texted about it. We'll do the same thing we did for the previous one. If you have Netflix and you haven't watched this yet, the fuck fuck are you doing? This is one of the best originals they've put out in recent memory. Talk about there has never been a a better time for this to come out. Holy shit, go watch it. Like, I don't know what else to say. From this point forward, we will be discussing spoilers, and the gloves are off. We both highly recommend it. We'll get to our ratings at the end. What did you think of Defy Bloods? I don't think I've ever seen someone weave true life stock footage of historical events into a narrative any better than this there are some other ones you can you can bring to mind other directors but the idea that we're going to take a minute and when someone mentions something we're going to take a minute we're going to pull you out and we're going to show you exactly what the fuck we're talking about so you don't have any doesn't you you can't say what's that about you don't have to come out of the narrative to maybe pause it and go look it up. It's in your face, and it shows you what it is. It's a new history book, essentially. Essentially, yes. Yes. That's what, yeah. I No, I love this style. He's He dabbled in some of this with Black, Black Klansman. At the end. And this feels like the the evolution of that. Um, Black Klansman was my favorite movie of 2018. I think it was 
was that your number one or was it? It was in your top five. I know that. It was either my. I don't know what my number one. If it wasn't number one, it was number two. I'd have to go back and listen to that episode. Right. But so obviously both of us were amped going into this one as soon as it was announced. But I just want to step back for a second because I think sometimes we forget how fucking prolific he is. If you had to guess, what what's he done since Black Klansman, which was 2018? Um, did he do the? I know he did the NBA. Did he do the NBA game thing? He, he did directed? a. Sh- um, I think that was prior, actually. Okay. I think it's 2017 or 2016. But okay. anyways, he did a short called Impact. Right. He did a commercial with Michael B. Jordan slash short. Okay. He did another season of She's Got to Have It on Netflix. He had already done season one in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um. He, just this year, just before The Five Bloods came out, he has done two shorts as well, New York, New York, and most recently, I don't know if you saw this, Three Brothers, which is Radio Rahim, Eric Garner, and George Floyd, and it is the murder of Eric Garner and the murder of George Floyd intercut with the murder of Radio Rahim at the end of Do the Right Thing, and it is bone-chilling, the way that he layers it together, the music is put together, essentially. And Holy yeah. shit. So the Three Brothers short, if you haven't seen it, go, go YouTube it like right now. It's very brief, extremely powerful. Um, that's what he's done in the interview. I just, most people, you know, oh, I'll take like, I'll take like two years, two, three years off in between features, work on it, etc. He's just, I, I lose track. Like there's still tons of, of Spike, Spike Lee joints that I haven't seen because the between the docs, especially, mm-hmm. like, it's hard to keep up, honestly, at a certain point. So, thankfully, a lot of those are featured across the Black Lives Matter collection that is available on Netflix. Uh, there's a f- few of them as well that are part of Prime. Um, and then I think HBO Max, because a handful of them are Warner Brothers releases, has also some stuff available. So, if you're not familiar with Spike Lee, now is a fantastic time to jump in. And I also say that to say that I think if you are unfamiliar with his work... Um, the five bloods might be a lot to put on your plate. Yeah. At one time. Um, it is epic and intimate in its scope. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, it does not, it, it pauses very briefly to throw a lot of information at you that a lot of people, unfortunately may not be aware of at all. Right. So they may still see these images and hear this brief reference and still be like, wait, what, what? I've never heard of this person before. And so I still think it, it's a great, like, teaching tool in and of itself to still inspire you to go beyond the movie, even though mm-hmm. he manages to pack so much into it. Should mention, it is, this was a pre-existing screenplay, the essential concept of some veterans going back to Vietnam to claim gold and, I believe, a fallen service member as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically, Spike and his co-screenwriter, but... Uh, is it? Oh, excuse me. I know his last name is Willamont. Excuse me. What is his name? Thanks for leaving me hanging there, brother. Kevin. Excuse me. Kevin Wilmot. Okay. Who also worked on Black Klansman with him. Uh, they took the script and basically rewrote it to specifically focus on a troop of African American soldiers on the front, um, and all that comes along with that and finally kind of taking it as a a moment to step back and actually tell a story which outside of like what dead presidents is there another movie you can think of where the i mean like 
Lawrence Fishburne is in Apocalypse Now, but there is no focus on the the black experience during in that Vietnam. war that I can really think of. Platoon doesn't really have it. If you want, born the, on the Fourth of July doesn't the, really have. Oh, if you but it was, dead presidents, I say to the movie because it addresses what they came home to, which right. is a lot of what is tied into this movie. Which you don't, I I love the structure first of all. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're only seeing present day, which I guess is meant to be closer to like twenty sixteen, maybe twenty seventeen. Like I didn't take this to be like this is twenty twenty when this is happening. No, I took it so as almost like a forty years a, later, thing. just a little bit back because yeah. yeah. And we'll get into some people's. I've seen some insane reviews, like user reviews on IMDb, of people who could not process what they did in terms of the flashbacks. We'll get into it. Outside of Dead Presidents, I could not think of one. No, I don't think there is. It's really focused on the black experience in Vietnam at all. I mean, Jacob's Ladder? I'm not, like, challenging you. I'm just asking. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Jacob's Ladder is one of those that, like, doesn't truly reveal itself to be no. like a meditation on Nam until you circle back around to the end. Spoiler alert. Do you want but to throw Operation Dumbo Drop in there? I mean, you got Danny Glover, you got Dougie <laughs> Doug, Ray Liotta, Dennis Leary. It's a mate. That's during Nam. It is during Nam. Yeah, but they're in Thailand. Do they have to take a and a, yeah. I. It's been a while. It's on. Plus. I know it's Disney on Disney Plus. Plus. Okay. Anyways, we Sorry. say all of this to say it's it's a story that's kind of been a long time ago where it's like, why why haven't we gotten one of these? And then I think it's worth noting that he's coming off a of Black Klansman, $15 million movie, makes over $100 million worldwide. He wins an Oscar for it. Mm-hmm. And he could not get this movie made. He's one of the most famous name directors in the world. He's what They're like... There's like five, right? Mm -hmm. That most people could name off the top of their head. In my head, at least. And it's like, it's Spielberg, Tarantino, and like Spike Lee. Three right there that are known quantities in name alone. Even if you've never seen any of their movies, people know who Spike Lee is. But the idea that he could not get this made anywhere other than Netflix. Apparently every single major studio passed on this movie. Couldn't get it off the ground. Mm. That's just... People like to continue to pretend that there are that there's been progress made in in the entertainment in, industry and specifically within Hollywood in terms of trying to diversify like the Oscar voting body and things of that nature. But it's like you guys still aren't like you're not putting the money into these stories when one of again the most famous black directors on the planet can't get this story told. He and, could have had he gone to the studio office the Monday after he won the award. And threw his weight around. Yeah. That's the only time again, I will tell you that that also, can happen. I he's imagine. also been one of those people who's always been on the forefront of like, all right, I'm going to shoot digitally or I'm going to get money from Kickstarter over here. Or I'm going to finance it this way or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's always like, you know, done whatever he has to do to get the thing made. And but I just, I think it's interesting. It, we know he shopped it around a ton. Yes. Oh, or again, well, I, I, I wonder, well, no, I wonder how is, much of it is like, everybody was chomping at the bit and he was like, Oh, now you want it after I've gotten an Oscar. I'm going to take it to Netflix because they've been from, trying to get From me to what get I this. understand, nobody wanted to make it. Netflix is the only one who would give them the money. It's essentially the same thing that happened with The Irishman. Or at least the narrative that we got from Scorsese at the time and the narrative we're getting from Spike Lee now. That makes sense. But, yeah. And Netflix, I think, beyond like doing the performative things of like putting together a Black Lives Matter collection on there, has honestly 
done a, a good job over the last like decade i would say of highlighting black voices and like give the fact that there's a she's got to have it tv show that has two seasons on there mm-hmm. dear white people become a huge success on there as well um like they are giving opportunities it seems like and letting all sorts of different the, voices the 13 occur- documentary yes yeah Ava DuVernay's 13, if you haven't seen it, yeah. is on Netflix. Um, tough watch, but yeah. one that I think everybody needs to see. Um, so, yeah. Okay, to Five Bloods. Is is secretly a blast? Yeah. Um, if, you're, if you're deterred by, you think, some heavy material in this, it's there, but this is a flat-out entertaining movie, and I think that's the thing that often gets forgotten for people that maybe only know the surface level of Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing is a hysterically funny, like, down-to-earth, grounded, confrontational, interesting, ecstatic movie that builds to a devastating conclusion and denouement. Mm-hmm. Okay? But the first hour and 30 minutes is some of the most entertaining, like, energetic filmmaking you're ever going to see in anything. Mm-hmm. Black Klansman incredibly entertaining movie oh yeah a blast in the theater a blast to see with an audience and then the last 10 minutes happens and it fucking like pulls the rug out from under you and like kicks you in the gut Mm -hmm. and it's extremely effective this one when's the last time you watched treasure of the sierra madre by the way i don't think i've ever seen it I just figured you went through a bogey phase, so I thought maybe you caught it in there. I mean, probably if I have I look, stuff like that runs together. Yeah, I was watching something the other day, and it wasn't until they called him Rick that I was like, "Oh, this is Casablanca." I just couldn't tell. Black and white. I just don't know. <laughs> it's black yeah. and white. Bogart. It's probably could have been Key Largo for all I care. I don't know. Um, it holds up. Mm-hmm. I think you should go back and check it out. Subsequent to this, I don't. I assume you got the stinking badges. Oh yeah, of course. Um, Three Amigos. But the st- <laughs> right? That's where it's from? Yes, that's exactly where it's from. <laughs> but the structure in general, I love the the framing of it. It's them coming back. It's these old... I, I swear, dude. The second they got them together in the hotel, when they're meeting in the lobby, these four guys, I was just like, I can't wait to go on this adventure with these guys because they immediately just felt like, oh, they've known each other forever. Like... It felt like they got instant. all they all got together and shot a bunch of non flashbacks. Instant chemistry. They, they yes. played it. You know, seriously. Like it felt like. And I, again, I don't know. We talk about it a lot with man, with man. I like about the rehearsal, the getting into it. How much of it is Delroy Lindo, who I had no idea was born in fucking England. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. But like, you know, how is it a testament to how great they are as actors? Yeah. Just to this drop England into England to Canada to U.S. If I I'm think not so. I just I had no idea. I just I just assumed he. I've never heard him speak. I've honestly I've never heard him speak in his his native tongue. It's like his like speaking voice English. Never heard it. Every movie I've seen him in, he doesn't play a British character. I don't think he has a. I don't I know that he, did, he has though. a British accent. I think he was like born in England, moved to Canada at a young age, and then teenage years forward in America. Well, you never lose it if you're coming from Britain. We okay. We have great ones. I mean, why can't he have a great accent? Maybe he does. I know. Maybe that's... you need to investigate. Okay. I'll get to it. I'll so, it <laughs> they're all back, the four of them. The right. movie's called The Five Bloods, mm-hmm. as I will remind you. The Fifth Blood is Chadwick Boseman. 
who we get very early on. It's not a mystery. He died in combat, and part of it is they're going back to gather his remains to bury him. We don't know about the the ulterior motives right. yet, quite yet. So we're like, all right, they're getting back into the, the feel of the place. We get a great... We don't get too many of them in this movie. The signature low angle, everybody on a dolly, mm-hmm. the signature spike shot. Um, we get it here as they dance to Marvin Gaye in the Apocalypse Now Club. I, again, like the um, Too Late to Turn Back Now sequence in Black Ooh, Klansman, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could watch this for an hour. Oh, d- yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. I, this could just go on, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but yeah, so we get our first sit-down with them, and the introduction of kind of the personalities. And I think this is where you first realize, or maybe it's in the earlier scene, where it's like, oh, Delroy Lindo's character is a Trump supporter. He's yes. got a MAGA hat on. Yes. I'm very interested to see where this goes, given how I know Spike Lee feels about Agent Orange. He refuses to say his name. He mm-hmm. has never referred to his name publicly. Right. <laughs> um, and then I've, of course, read behind the scenes stuff where, like, even Del Lindo was like, can we change this? Like, <laughs> I don't want to fucking play this. And then eventually came around to, like, well, what are we exploring here? And, like, what are we saying about it, et cetera, et cetera. And it, it only serves to make the character that much more interesting and just fascinating, essentially. Yeah. And, again, also at the same time, not a, like, fucking slam on anybody who is a black Trump supporter, which apparently they, they do exist. Mm-hmm. We're aware of some of them because he likes to trot them out at any any speech that he gives. And I think they even <laughs> showcase that in this movie. There's a cut to that. Yes, and they said, they're like, oh, that was you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, they play with that. And you get into, like, you see how he kind of stands apart from these guys and how they've grown up, where he seems a little more still lost in this and affected by the war hasn't quite come to terms with everything mm-hmm. uh there's a great sequence in there where some former Viet Cong buy them a drink yeah and the like just <laughs> me processing that in real time of like of course of course there are people still there that fought on the other side and probably like yes if there's Americans type that yeah, the that Cong. situation has probably happened more than once and like how do you how do you navigate all of that and i like even early on here i'm i'm like where are we going because i you know no, based on the trailer listen, alone dude, i didn't really know where we were going with you any just told me the five bloods was out and that's all i heard i didn't know a thing about it and again this is not me like just trying to be aloof to anything i don't like to give myself anything about something that that is good had I known a lot about this going in or the King of Staten Island, I might have not even watched them when I did. Right. It's because, and this is what I wanted to get into at the top real quick, it's because there's nothing else there, okay? I can't go get all the brand new things I was trying to get this summer with movies mm-hmm. coming out or whatever. I don't want to pay money to watch them streaming when they should be seen in a in a theater. Mm-hmm. You could play this in a theater right now. I guess they're open back up. I don't know. And it would be amazing. But I just don't like to give myself any kind of heads up on something because I'd much rather go into it, see what it is, feel it out, get to get an honest, like, raw feel for it, 
before I have anything come into it. And I used to not be that way. I used to go in and look, oh, who made it, all this, because arguably, I've said it before, the making of and what it does for people's careers is the reason why Halloween's my favorite movie as a whole, not just the movie itself. But I don't like to get too much into the other stuff. But that was what I was bringing up was I kind of almost wanted to do like a double rating, like trying to look at both of these movies by themselves, no coronavirus, world pandemic, like bearing on it. What I still get from the context. Yeah. Of which I see them because like right now, this King Staten Island, Bad Boys 3 and The Shape of uh, the Vast of Night. Those are my top four because those are my top four. Tell me another good one that even deserves to be up there. Yes, stuff has still come out, but like, not. A, I don't feel like it's in the same vein of how things would be if we weren't under the conditions we were. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So how much of my like enjoyment of these is because they're amazing? Because we're starved for new stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And I, again, with both of these, honestly, it's not that I'm starved for new stuff. They are that good. I think if I was watching this under regular circumstances, no quarantine, no pandemic, no no world going crazy, and I would enjoy them. I, I don't know if there was plans for this to happen, but I, I definitely hope that this one would have essentially had a small theatrical run. I would hope so. Prior, because it would have had its qualifying, and I know they're amending the rules, etc. for the Oscars this year, but I would love to have seen this on a big screen. Because yeah. as we'll get into, the stuff he's doing from just a filmmaking perspective... Um, there's all the great little spike touches that I love, the double cuts, the cutting on action, mm-hmm. the repeating, like, um, he kind of really started doing it during 25th hour, but like pretty much anytime you see physical contact between characters, if it's anything that's emotion based, if it's a handshake or a hug, there's a double cut. Usually you'll see the same action happen twice from two slightly different angles. Right. And it's this doubling effect or whatever. And he's doing some crazy like match cut shit where he completely like, you know, you're not supposed to break the the axis of of your shot structure. Right. You know, you're not supposed to flip the axis or whatever. He does it multiple times in here. Just like total disregard for the rules, which, again, if you know them, you're just like, dude, you eat it up on a, a cinema level. Yeah, alone. exactly. And the, the first time we transition into a flashback and he just like whoop, on the aspect ratio and then transitioning back out of it, all of that stuff where I'm just like, this is a guy at the absolute height of his powers who is still experimenting on top of all of it. Right. With the pace of everything, the way he's editing in, like, old foot. We open with Muhammad Ali's statement at the time, and we discussed this a bit in our Manhunters episode um, of the controversy. of like He was like, why the fuck would I go overseas and shoot a bunch of people who have never done anything to me when I have people living in my own country who mean to do me harm because of the color of my skin. Why the fuck would I let you send me over there? Mm-hmm. And it's see, to open with that, and it's like, that seems like the most logical fucking thing I've ever heard. And to see how, as we saw in Ali, the Michael Mann movie, how it was politicized at the time, how he was vilified for it. And then to look back on it and be like, this is the most common sense fucking thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Like, yeah. But to use that as a jumping off point, incredible. And again, he he just knows how to, that that early montage of how he sets the scene and he's cutting back and forth across years to show you different things and how it all is interconnected and coalesces together. It's not an A, B, C, D 
progression. It is. It's an A C F H G. Yes. Swing back to Q. Coming it's with the F. All and of then, this yeah, stuff that he uses to place. set the stage, and it's just to me, it's effortlessly and like brilliantly done. Um, in the flashbacks, we find that basically they were um, out on a mission. They were tasked with going after a down C one thirty that was carrying, carrying money a load of gold to the V to, to the pay off the VC. BC. Correct. Yes. Wait. Yeah. We who are the good guys? The the South. Oh my God. The South Vietnamese. Right. Correct. Viet Cong was the I, North I, Vietnamese. I, we got to be yeah. honest, as much as this was a history lesson, it, it definitely assumes that you know, know some shit, shit about Vietnam. Right. It does not break down the conflict. The, the people that they that we had paid off, our allies, didn't want, they wanted gold. So we paid them in gold. And this plane went down, and they were tasked with going and like securing it. Recovering it, yes. And in the process, in the process they agree. Most of their squad gets wiped out. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, let's just swat it's wiped out. Then the process, they all agree, hey, you know, we've been fighting for money. We've been forced to since America was a thing, mm-hmm. since it began. Christmas addicts, Christmas, I don't I, Christmas addicts? Christmas, yeah, yeah. You know, first person. First shot of the Revolutionary First shot of the Revolutionary War. Let's just, we'll just say that, you know, v, Viet Cong got it. They got it, you know. they Charlie came and got it. Nothing we could do. And we'll bury it. And we'll come back sometime. But we'll, we'll come back and we'll take it. And we'll take it for everybody. We're going to give this money to our people mm-hmm. for all the struggle they have, they've had. And they're like, cool. So you get, all right, this is what happened. Now, we don't know exactly how. What is his name? What's this character's name? Uh, Chadwick Boseman, what do they call him? Norm? Norm? Is that what it, I thought they called him something else. Like he had a different name. Um, Storm and Norman. Storm and right? Norman. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah, which is hilarious that they're taking reclaiming that. So, the name from Schwarzkopf. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a very it's, it's some yeah. subtle shit. It's like Black Klansman opening with Gone with the Wind and also reclaiming Gone with the Wind and Birth of a Nation simul like in one yes. fell swoop across exactly. the movie where mm-hmm. it's just like blah blah blah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so and and we get it and we're on to it. We're like, okay, this is what they're doing. They're going into the desert or the the jungle to get this gold. Now, has to be facilitated. So they have their own in- guide in country, who's obviously very friendly, uh, tour guide they set up. But they also have a fence they have to meet. And this was like where I was <laughs> just like, because like, uh, of course, there's no if you didn't watch a trailer or anything, and there's no credits on this bad boy that would give away to you that he's in this, right? Right. And I was so happy. I was like, and I and I knew it going in. So as soon as I was like, well, obviously. French context. It's got to be. We're in Vietnam, dude. You got to have all the parties. You got to have Americans at the table. You got to have the Vietnamese themselves, and you got to have the French. Right. Yeah, and it's all got to be in a swirl together if mm-hmm. we're doing this as a microcosm for like reframing the war. So yes, and they negotiate with Jean Reno. Uh, basically, he's going to be their their fence when they get it out of here. Right. They agree on a rate, etc. There's some squabbling over shares and who's going to get how much. We should mention. I. D- I do love. He was like, "Well, ladies and gentlemen, I will see Vive la France," and he just like he just because if you don't know your history, the French were in Vietnam way before we were. They lost a ton of like they were they were it was more a land thing, not a stopping communist thing, but it was like basically they got slaughtered and then go watch the Redux or go watch now. Oh no, we were soldiers, man. 
That uh, yes, which is rough. Still one of the worst, like most rough Vietnam movies. Yeah. Without even trying to be, it is just. Um, um, while while we're here, we are we already hit one flashback essentially. What did you What did you think when you saw that there was no de aging? I don't give a shit. I love it. Okay, it was perfect. So I read so many reviews online, one star reviews that were like, "This is ridiculous! Like, why do they have these old guys? Like, why are they the same age in the flashbacks?" They were so taken out of it by it that people thought. Like, it seemed like people thought it was a mistake of some sort. And I was like, this is so purposeful. Like, what? This is clearly a choice. This is not like, oh, I have Chadwick Boseman and then all of these old dudes. Like, it's purposeful. And I took it to mean that, again, we're not seeing necessarily the God's honest truth or a third-person perspective of what happened back then, we are seeing their memories of what happened back then. And we're also communicating that they're still there in a lot of ways. This is still with them. So when they I think took it of at, these that, moments, they see themselves as the men that they are today because they're still not over it. They're well, not past yeah, no, I it. Took, well, that, and, I took it I, a different way in terms ahead. of like the reason why they are how they are and the reason why Chadwick Boseman is how he is is that that is how he will always be to them. Exactly. He never ages. And the guilt, shame, whatever, that they may have survived and that they've lived these lives and they've gone back, they cannot allow themselves. It, it, or even if just, be, let's say they were just gassed by Agent Orange like he talks about like later on in his one mm-hmm. of the amazing first-person rants that you get. Like, maybe that's it. Maybe they don't remember at all just from all the shit they had to deal with. But maybe they've blocked out that entire trauma that they can't even imagine them being that young. It's been such a harrowing life to have been forced to go survive and come back knowing that part of coming back alive means I'm going to have to go back there and get my buddy and get this gold that we buried so that we can have a good life. You would like to think that like it had happened so many, it would, would have happened 20 years later, 10 years later, 20 years later. Yeah. And never, and, and and now they are where they're at in their life. And this is what their whole life has been leading to is to go back and get their other brother, bring him home. I love the fact that they look the same, partly because I don't fucking like having to figure out who's who in a youth flashback. That shit fucking and sucks. That's one, that's one of the things they mentioned is they not a particular fan of recasting for younger no. ages. And then also he was just like, I knew I also wasn't going to get the Scorsese money to do like de-aging on these guys. And then other people have also pointed out, if you look at Delroy Lindo now versus like, you know, in the seventies, not a ridiculous change. Uh-uh. So, but I, again, I thought it was for, and it's pretty much the same page of what you're saying, where it's just like, it's communicating that it's still with them. They're still there to a certain extent. And the way that you see Chadwick is very much this idealized or mythic version right. of this guy that maybe he wasn't a hundred percent like this all the time, but for them and in their memory, this is what this guy meant to them, what, it, what he inspired them to do. Right. So he is this as they mentioned he's their martin and their malcolm at the same time he taught he them is everything this, like, he taught perfect them about black history oh, yeah. And, yeah um which i think is a good what people may not get i think that is a an amazing point in that it may seem like a throwaway line he was our our martin and our malcolm he's just like every other major figure of the civil rights movement that is dead in the 60s mm-hmm. 
I don't know if you want, I don't know if they say, oh, this is like 70, 72, whatever, whatever the last vestiges of the war were going on. He, I definitely so, get the feel that it's like the 60s, like 68, said, 69 after Tet. Well, yeah, because specifically, Lindo's character says he did three tours, the last of which was in 71. One. So right. you get the feeling that he probably maybe stuck around in country longer than them, and maybe they did this on a prior, like an even earlier mission. Right. And it was still out there, like they were still in country essentially yeah because they talked about trying to go well they talked about trying to go back but it already been napalm so they couldn't get to it to begin with right and you know all that but they kept you know they kept an eye on where the goal was going to be but yeah i mean it's it's essentially i don't have i don't have have a problem with the flashbacks i think they work perfectly i like being able to go back and forth in between the two and not have to worry about it because i like the way that everyone is set up you get a you get touched on you know more about them present day before anything you know where they're at you already know that Mm -hmm. and to see how each one moves to find out little pieces of like what you thought versus what you've seen in the flashbacks how they acted how they were what you've come to learn about them and where we eventually go with all of them I think it's just so well done that you do. It's like uh, you, you, it deserves to be watched two, two or three times to pick up on everything that you missed, just from being blown away that's, by it. That's another thing I will say from right here. This is immediately one of his most rewatchable to me that I look forward to going back to because it has this epic, sweeping quality to it, and it also has the kind of structure where it's like, oh hell yeah, I can put in like an hour and fifteen. I can get to like okay, they're about to head out on the mission. I'll watch that tomorrow. And that's, ex- dude, that's exactly right? what I did. Oh, I watched this over a day. I started it, mm-hmm. went out in the afternoon. I left as like, okay, we're about to go out in the jungle. Okay, cool. And I quit. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go out. And I left, went and ran my errands and stuff, came back, watched till like, okay, all right, we got the gold. All right, I'm going to take a minute. I'm going to make some something to eat, whatever. Came back and watched the last little bit of it. No problem. Didn't feel like I was left out. Everything I saw in between kept leading me to I'm got to go back to this. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't lend itself to I could maybe check out what's on Prime or let me so, jump back over to CSI Miami right now. I was definitely glued the entire time. One other key thing that happens before they set out on the adventure is Delroy Lindo's son shows up. Shows up, played by Jonathan Majors, who I don't think you're familiar with at all. He was my pick for best supporting actor last year. For Last Black Man in San Francisco. Okay. Uh, which is still, I believe, available on Hulu and or Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's amazing. I don't know if surface level in this movie you were that blown away by him. No, I... I, I was blown away because of the range that I've now seen mm-hmm. between Last Black Man in San Francisco where he is. I don't even know how to describe to you how different he is, just totally. And he is about to be in Lovecraft Country, That's, the new HBO I'm, show. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for I that. I cannot wait to see what he gets to do with the character long form. Really exciting guy. So, yeah. I, and I knew he was in this, but I didn't know. Like, from the trailer, I knew he was in it, but I didn't know how he came into play. Right. So, he's Delroy Lindo's a strange son who has kind of, like, weaseled his way. He knows what's going on with the gold. He knows what they're there to do. Um, and he's like, I want my cut essentially. Like I'm going to come help you guys do this. Um, and there's, I love when they sit him down and it's just like all of them essentially like kind of berating the kid or whatever over whether he gets a share and all this shit. But then Delroy Lindo getting pissed at them for like, if I can talk to my son that way, (laughs) like that dynamic of like, you know, he's a piece of shit and he's been a bad father, 
but he will not stand for anybody talking shit to his kid. Exactly. I just, yeah. Only I get to do that. Yes. Yeah. Um. Oh my God. Sorry to transition back to King of Staten Island for two seconds. That was also one of my favorite. Hey, he's our friend. We make fun of him. Yeah. You don't. You don't the get to make fun come, of him. The kid. I forgot about the kid with the shoes. You know what? The other, sh- sorry. Other bit. I totally forgot. We were so focused on like the heartwarming aspect. One of my favorite jokes was, was "Hey Todd, hey Todd, he's got, hey, how you been doing, buddy? Uh, they just bought her. Hey, you got any weed? Yeah, man, I'll go get it for you. What? What did he stop? What? Is, oh my God! Now I lost it. Um, home run Todd. Home run Todd. Home yeah, run Todd. just like yeah. perfect interaction with this little kid, <laughs> yeah. little cousin. Great stuff. Um, okay, so they said, oh, before they. Before they set out, we meet the... We know that Lotus... Otis. Sorry. Clark Peters. Clark Peters. Again, Clark Peters and Isaiah Whitlock Jr. If you've never seen The Wire, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Uh, Go get HBO and watch it. I think, actually, it might still be free on Prime because of their coronavirus thing where they let a bunch of HBO stuff just... Maybe, I think so. Um, But you find out that he, you know, had to leave a woman or whatever and doesn't realize till like, now that there's a... Black, a ch- and a lot of people butted up against this as well, where they didn't understand the age gap and the difference and everything. And I was like, I I didn't really bat an eye at it because I was like, okay, either they look really good for their age, or he came back at some point past the war because they had a relationship prior or whatever. Like she didn't necessarily have to be conceived during the conflict, right? You know what I'm saying? So I didn't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again. People who I felt like were getting just hung up on like, gosh, Shit just that fucking doesn't just matter. watch the movie. <laughs> like, like, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, so yes, he finds out he has a daughter essentially, and she's the contact point for Jean Reno's character. Right, she's who um, set them up. And again, him. yes. So they also, excuse me, Jonathan Major's character meets the. That's not so they keep going. They keep going. They get into the jungle first. No, he meets, the, the, he meets the bo- the not mine that night. people prior, I thought, I, thought, I thought, before they ever go out. No, because they, they travel up the river, you remember? That's they go right. on the boat. Fantastic scene yeah. uh, on the riverboat, yeah. We're right. Also, again, we're getting like multiple film stocks and different right. angles, etc. And that kind of searing conflict where you see that like Lundo is def- he's He is very centrally focused on, like, I don't want to engage with any of the shit that's going on around me or being back in this place. I don't want to think about those times, really. I just want to get to this goal and get this like get this over with, essentially. Right. And it escalates in a scene where there's a... a it, this is the floating market right, in that they run Vietnam, through. Right. And, which is very famous. You've seen pictures of it in National Geographic, etc. Yeah. Um, and again, this is all shot in country, if I'm not mistaken. Right. I don't think they shot anywhere outside of Nam, But... Um, so great sequence that escalates guys trying to sell him a chicken he doesn't want anything to do with them he's trying to communicate to him a little bit and he just he's polite initially but eventually kind of loses his shit on him and then it turns into you're a gi you killed my mother and father like you know you pay me for this thing we're on good terms or whatever but then it turns into all right you spite me i spite you back and it just escalates from there that's the first time that they really start to talk about the ptsd of it all right and you know the complete polar opposite of movies that you would have seen just a handful of years ago, I feel like, where they're all immediately like, dude, don't feel like you can't talk about this. We all have 
this shit or this. And he's like, no, no, Norman and I talk every yeah, night. He's like, actually, I see our dead friend every single night and we have full on conversations with each other. I think I'm a little deeper in the shit than you guys. And that's are. when you sow the seed of like, huh, I wonder why that is. And you'll find out later, of course, where that gets to. Yes. But of course, later that night, that's when the sun meets the land, land, the land. Yes. The landmine. I don't forget Disposal. what the acronym stands for, but you got the, the French lady, uh, her boyfriend who also was in black Klansman. That's right. He's and the, uh, Paul Walter Hauser is also in Black Klansman. Yes, uh, but yes. So we get them set up, and I mean, you know, they're going to come back. At least at that point, you're probably thinking like, "All right, if they don't come back into play, like, what the fuck is going yeah. on here?" Such, but you can't just have them show up because they have to meet. Which right. I, that's the only thing. I I wonder what kind of tone the story takes if they don't meet them, they just show up and there is no connection and it, they're just like, oh, we can help with landmines. Then the whole like, spoiler alert, when they get out, they find the gold. They have a, a tremendous scene where they all get the gold and they're, they're discussing stuff. Well, I we love Isaiah Whitlock Jr. refusing to help them dig because like, he's the one with the metal detector. Like, I don't dig for the gold. Yeah. I find it. Yeah. So they're and all it's put basically like initially when they pull that up or whatever and there's like nothing in the case i was like oh fuck and then you realize like there's been i was like 40 years i was like yeah there's been deforestation all sorts of different tornadoes where it's the point where i'm like god i was like did you guys get all of it you see the flashback and you're like you guys buried this awfully shallow for like nobody to have found it over all of this time but then when you come back to the state of what it looks like now you're like Oh, okay. I could see how this. Yeah. Well, the skip. minute they're like, "Oh, this was all napalmed," I'm like, "Well, no one's going to be living there for forever. Like, it'll at least right. be by itself, or it was named, you know." And that initial bombing probably uproots a ton of stuff, but that's mm-hmm. semantics. Anyway, they get most of the gold out. They're putting it on their backs. They're humping it, and then you know, again, you've, you're finding out more about each character. And when you find out that the I can't remember the character's name. When you find out the one that was like, oh, make sure it's on my my tab or whatever. And they're like, oh, you rich and is. And he's like, oh, no, I don't actually don't have a penny. Like, the dealerships have my name. Did they, on find, them. they find Chadwick shortly thereafter, right? Right. They find him after they get the gold. Yeah. And they they get his, did they, what, did they take his dog tags? Did they take his remains? What are they? I, I think they take. I don't ever see them. I don't ever see what they carry his remains in, though. That's the thing. I there's a full-on skull there. Yes, I assumed he was in one of the bags. Probably. I, yeah. But, um, and so they, they finally, they're like, you know, they do the, whoever, the woman that sees Otis off, she's like, be careful, man. You get out there in the jungle, fucking gold changes people. And you're like, that's kind of ominous. All right. You're the Sierra Madre. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Who can so, you trust? Exactly. At the end of the day. And you get into that some, and of course, the which I mean it's kind of if you're a film person you're kind of like okay it's coming they've already talked to me about landmines there's a people here actively taking them out and I feel like where is I feel like somebody's gonna step on a fucking landmine and the way that it is I mean walking when the only thing that took me out of it was when somebody said oh you're walking backwards I'm like that's it, dude. If you don't <laughs> yeah, know that it's gone. coming, like, and what? When is it? When also, is the tension? Break I hate coming? to say this. I know he's. I apparently he is a very well established theater actor. But I'm sorry. When you're the guy that people can't name by name in the four man group, you're gonna be the first to die. I'm yes. sorry, Norm Lewis. I'm very sorry. Right. Um, 
But yeah. So here's the thing, though. So when it happens, I was not prepared for the aftermath. Meaning, I was not prepared for them to straight up show you the realistic version of the opening of Tropic Thunder. Right. Where Stiller has his arms blown off and right. everything. But to show you the real version, and we should mention in the flashbacks, the movie announces itself very early, and some people have had trouble with this, with the vacillation between, like, it's fucking violent as hell. Guess what? War is hell. It it should be this violent, etc. changes. Exactly. Uh, and, but some people have had trouble with, like, vacillating from that to comedy into this history lesson into the drama of the characters which again this is a fictionalized narrative like people struggling with all that and i'm that's why again i say like if you're not familiar with the the spike lee oeuvre i don't know if this like is a great place to start for for most people because it's it's a lot all at once but to transition from that of like a moment where, again, we knew something was going to happen just the, in the staging. If you've seen a movie, you could probably piece together that something was about to happen. But then to go to the sheer, like, fucking, the visceral horror of, like, what that actually does to a body. Really, really rough. Again, they've just succeeded, essentially. And this is basically, oh, shit, it's all fucking downhill. Like, now's when the... The shit's gonna start getting real, essentially. Right, and I love I love turns like that in movies, and the fact that it. I mean, had he not come out and said he had no money, I was like, maybe, maybe they all safely make it home, and this is a feel good movie about them getting it, getting all their gold back, and getting their buddy. But the minute he was like, "Oh, I don't have any money," I'm like, "You're dead, dude. You're fucking dead because you are the one who could disappear from this story, and no one would care <laughs> because they've told you've told us as much. Your money's dried up. You're divorced." You act big like you have a lot of money, but you don't. So, and again, the whole theater thing, you get blown up, and that was it. I'm like, okay, wow, that's crazy. I knew some shit like this was going to happen, but, but I'm glad we, these other people yeah. are okay. But and then, then we, we immediately turned to, oh, shit. The, one of the centerpiece sequences of the movie, one of the most tense scenes I've seen in recent memory, and this is when, I mean, he was already killing it. But this is when Delroy Lindo is like, you want to see what fucking acting is right now? Watch this shit. The moments between him and Jonathan Majors, his son, who steps on a mine right after all this is happening. There's there's arguing, there's fighting, there's a lot of emotions flying around. And then all of a sudden you hear hear the clink. Pressure plate, yep. And Jonathan Majors is like, Dad, I stepped on something. And immediately I'm just like, how the fuck do you... how do you get somebody out of this situation? And I didn't, I had no idea what they were about to do. So all of this is incredibly intense. Just the setup for it, which is essentially, they're going to take a big ass rope. The lamb guys have showed up now. They're going to assist as well. They tell them like, Hey, it's pressure plate. Do not like shift your weight or anything. At all. Cause you yeah. can set it off. Um, Paul Walter Hauser goes up and like kind of lays out the, the feel of everything. And again, the way you see like, the bloods essentially like spring into action right and like hey do you remember we did this to that hillbilly kid like back Mm -hmm. in country back in the day let's try that same maneuver again you're like okay what are they gonna do and essentially they tie off a giant rope and the plan is to pull him off of it you're already at like a pitch just like what the fuck is gonna happen and then he he's what school did you go to the house 
who else went to the house? And they go into the Jesse Owens thing and yes. they talk about him being the thirteen seconds instead of fifteen fly. seconds. How he took thirteen steps for everybody else's fifteen steps or whatever. Like go doing all of that, giving you this history, all of this. To they flash at Jesse to Owens this, twice to, in yes, it to I this think. fucking moment. It just that is that's the kind of little shit that I live for in movies where it's like you bring all of this into this singular moment for me to process all of this shit and then to the point where you're almost like oh fuck this is like my emotions were already heightened now they're even more heightened are they about to kill him right now what the fuck and then when he survives and they do manage to yank him off of this as it blows up behind him the release was just like holy shit but then you have barely any time to recover because as soon as they then it turns into a conflict of I don't know these three fucking landmine people. I don't want them identifying me. I don't want them knowing what we did out here. Mm-hmm. What are we? That's two landmines that have gone off. Somebody's going to come soon. Yeah. We got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So then it essentially turned into kind of a hostage situation right. where they're going to bring them along. Um, do you have at night? You have the like fake seduction thing by the French girl. Which mm-hmm. is precursor for like they they've had a little bit of romantic tension. It's not overplayed in the movie, but it's there. Uh, Dory Lendo steps in there, and that is when they essentially cede power back from Dory Lendo. They get the gun back in hand, and they're like, "Hey, you need to chill." And that is when he essentially feels like he has been completely betrayed, not only by his brothers, the Bloods, but also by his own son, and kind of separates and disconnects from the group as a whole. Mm-hmm. eventually the next day they do get out of the woods essentially they get to a path they get to the meeting point and they had already like Dory Lindo has been saying hey to Otis like hey I don't trust your contact I think she's probably involved with mm-hmm. who knows what but like somebody's coming for this and so one of the landmine guys gets away at night and when they finally come out of the jungle and their guide is there. They've apprehended him. I forget about that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And they're trying to use him as leverage, which I love. Dorian is like, I don't fucking give a shit about that guy. Like, okay, yeah. do whatever you're going to do. But of course we have a little bit of investment just from like what we've learned about them. Obviously they're just there as do-gooders. They get wrapped up in this whole thing. Um, more violence pops off. Uh, the boyfriend is killed of the landmine people. Because he runs off. Yes. Gets hit blown up by one, which I was like, God. He, yes. Landmines all over this place, man. Again, yeah. The, once the violence starts, it's pretty much, yeah. it's it's pretty balls to the wall for the back half of the but movie. But again, they managed to get. And the, I know for a lot of people, that's probably when they're all of a sudden going to become invested. But again, I could have spent like two or three hours in the first chunk of this movie of just these guys yeah. hanging out back in country. So, um, where, yeah, where do we. So basically, we just to kind of wind it because we've been going. I don't want. I don't want to like trudge through everything. Yeah, no, I want you to we, see. We're literally. Basically, we get to the. We we will get to the end. Deroy Lindo is basically like, my son is dead to me. He's done. His son does get shot in this ensuing chaos, and yeah. basically their guides like, look, you want to fight these dudes? Because Deroy Lindo is like, he's going to go to his village. He's going to get everybody. He's going to come find us. And he's like, well, if you want to fight them, you don't go to the jungle. Come with me to this place you can fortify and defend yourself. Right. So, he Daryl Lindo decides he's done with all of them. Like you said, he's broken with them, and he just treks off with his share through the jungle. And, and we get a great extended like 
kind of break down, a little bit losing his mind, a little bit like of catharsis all wrapped into one, just like mm-hmm. just a great wonder of him hacking hacking his way through the, the forest. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get to a river, he's going to steal a boat, and that's that. Yeah. Um, eventually, he gets apprehended by them, uh, basically digs his own grave. He won't tell them where the rest of the gold is. And they they murder him they, in very intense fashion with a lot of AK fire to the body. Uh, R.I.P. I keep what the fuck was his name? Paul. Paul. Yeah. I, yeah. I've been calling him Delray Lindo the entire episode, but yes. So Paul is no more. We've only got two bloods left. Right. Um. They defend themselves. Of course, Jean Reno shows up, and they're gonna do. They talk. They do back and forth a lot about what what it means to be a man, to be a warrior. Brothers covering everything. They fake him out with a box full of rock or bag full of rocks, mm-hmm. which of course leads them to get the upper hand, and the firefight ensues. And um, in the midst of this, you know, they're 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 old guys, but they're still like they know how to fight. They know how to do whatever. And the son has mentioned like I've never shot a gun before. I don't know if I'd be any good at it. And their Asian guide, I don't remember his name, he's uh, a Vietnamese guide, he's, you know, he's holding his own in there as well. Um, and eventually gets down to about two or three more people, and what's the chain of events? Oh, it basically gets down to like Jean Renault and one of them, and that's yes, it. but, okay, um, there's a setup earlier. Isaiah Whitlock Jr.'s character is like they're talking about a fan, I can't forget the soldier's name, but who died on a grenade to save his platoon. Right. He's like, I would never fucking do that for any of you guys, essentially. And of course, foreshadowing, what does he end up doing? He takes a grenade mm-hmm. to save Cork Peters, essentially Otis. Um, that that killed me because yeah. I was like, is he is he maybe okay? Was it was it a dud? And then just just blood oozing out from the side. I was like, oh man. Come but yes, so Clark Peters is down on the ground, John Renault's above him, and one of the things that they go back to that's been reoccurring throughout is bloods don't die, we multiply. Right. He says this again, Jonathan Major steps up and takes him out. Um and essentially the you know they this generation hasn't made Otis is the only one who makes it out, right? Right. But again, the way that scene is framed, I'm almost like is this his dying like wish for what he hopes will happen? And he didn't actually make it out of the jungle because we don't see him, you know, he doesn't interact with anybody else beyond that. So you think the flashback of him going back to see his daughter happened before he went out in the jungle? No, no, no. The reconnecting with them after the fact where I'm saying that that could have been a dying oh, hope yeah, or yeah, a wish yeah. of like, yeah. like, I didn't get, maybe he didn't make it out of the job because there wasn't a clear, there's not the three of them walking out or the four of them walking out. Yeah, Paul they Walter are. Hauser make it out or does he get taken out in the No, in he the does. He makes fight? it out, yeah. Because okay. he's standing at the... Um, that's right. So I just took it as like he stayed in country that's and never what, left. I mean, that's what I would like to assume as well. But again, the fact that like he was shot and but he's also a medic and like he, might, he yes, he so like he one. you know internet he makes it out and he yeah. gets to go live his wife live his life with his wife and newly discovered daughter. Exactly. There you go. Or 
Yes. And we see that most of them are giving their money and their shares to good causes. Yes, and we didn't really mention it, but that was the the kind of internal conflict and the debate really between them at certain points was, hey, what Norm always wanted us to do with this was to use it for our community, help our people. And at a certain point, Delroy Lindo was just like, I'm fucking, fuck you guys. I'm doing it for me, essentially. Yeah. Like, I'm using this to survive. And then you know that Nor- the beautiful thing is the Norm Lewis character, um, excuse me, um, Eddie, yes, the one who gets blown up by the landmine. Mm-hmm. He is in all this financial trouble, still posturing as if he does have money. Mm-hmm. And even in spite of all of that, he still wants to do the right thing. With the money, he's the one reminding them what Norm was yeah, always preaching them one. back yeah, in the day, right. which is yeah, which is fascinating. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the the war of it right there. And then I feel like we did miss we missed a crucial thing, but I want to leave it for people. I want to yeah, let them find out that little the, gem the, of it all, the flashback of where everything comes together, yeah, I and the leave ultimate that. catharsis for that character, which we did completely leave right. off the table. We'll, so we'll let people again, discover and that I themselves. and I don't know why you've listened this far if you haven't already seen it, but yes. So the money does make its way back to the states. We see that it is not only donated to Black Lives Matter; it's also part of it go because they get a share goes to the land mine prevention. So I love the. The kind of all-inclusive is the same thing we were talking about where you have all the players at the table of like the the French and their aspect of this conflict as right. well where you kind of like it's not a it doesn't look at Vietnam as this other place and we'll talk about that next week when we talk about Thailand and how it's represented in the movie Broke Down Palace but the simple fact that their guide is is Vietnamese right and kind of voices to them that like this was a civil war here in the same way that in your states it was brother against brother. This tore apart families on our front. Right. We're still healing from this as well. Mm-hmm. The the inclusivity of not, of even at the same time when it's like he could have made this a strictly black experience because this story's never really been told before. And that would... That would be enough in and of itself. But the fact that even on top of that, he's taking into account the Vietnamese perspective on all of this, that where the French stand in it long term, like taking all of that into account and not letting it off the hook with like, it's just about this one thing, I think gives you so much more to chew on and so much deeper stuff that again, the rewatches I think will be incredibly rewarding. Yeah. Um, we have rambled on quite a bit. I see you look tired. It is late. I know you have to work tomorrow. I do. Um, <laughs> I love you. I love I you too. Love this movie. It's great. Um, Fucking solid ten out of ten. I, it's like a nine nine point five. I do for me I, right now. I want to rewatch it's, it again. I, I'm going to rewatch I, I, it. It's, I, I am not as knocked out after a first viewing as I was, I, and I'm immediately comparing it to Black Klansman, which is almost an incomparable theatrical experience. There's very few things that have been that, and again. If I had seen this on a big screen, maybe like I'm more immediately like, yes, fucking masterpiece status. But as it stands, it is my second favorite movie of the year. I still get the slight edge to Vast of Night, Me which too. I adore. Um, so that's The Five Bloods. It is available on Netflix. We highly recommend it. We will be back probably next week with a two by two retro review where we'll be discussing Surf Ninjas. A childhood classic for right. us. 
and Broke Down Palace, a movie that has not aged well. Yeah. But if you yeah. want to watch both, um, I'm pretty sure both are available. Do you want me to sub in Midnight Express? That's another like heroin foreign prison what's movie, the, right? Uh, what's the other one that's like the year before Broke Down uh, Palace? Oh, Return to Paradise. Return to Paradise with, with, with Vince, uh, Vaughn Vince Vaughn and Joaquin. I've actually never seen that movie. Should we just watch that? I mean, I think it's worth talking about Broke Down Palace, but I'm just saying. We should. You think we should watch Return to Paradise to like? Oh, we'll, we'll. And Midnight Express, and just like. Yeah. Excuse me. Midnight. Is it Midnight Express? Yes. Yeah. Midnight Run is the comedy. Midnight, Midnight Express, Express is, is the, the Turkish prison. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let us never confuse. I just think it's interesting to look at how other countries treat drug problems. And. How aggressive we're not they doing do. Midnight Express, so we don't have to get into it. And I know it's the end of the episode, but Billy himself has come out subsequently. He had to go do advocacy in Turkey because he's like, "Hey, this movie, like, this is not what I experienced, guys. Like, I know the they made the movie made it look like it's an absolute hellhole, and there are no good Turkish people at all, and they all fucking hate Americans." I know you guys don't feel that way. My experience, I was a drug trafficker. I did this to myself. It's like he had to go back and basically retell his story where he's like, I know this has ruined the image of Turkey for the entire war. Anybody that saw that movie in the late 70s, early 80s probably thinks that Turkey is like one of the most dangerous places in the world. And then they all made, they almost got it back on track and those fucking Taken movies happened and they all happened to be from Turkey and then bam, they're right back where they started after right. Midnight Express. Our, our father, military man, stationed in Turkey for like upwards of a year, somewhere? Close to, Close yeah. to a year. I believe still says, best food in the world yeah. is Turkish food. Never had any myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know he, if, if it's in Istanbul or Constantinople, but dad was somewhere near there. <laughs> Sorry. I try to work that joke First in. Every... <laughs> I really Season hope... two. I hope so. That's what I was saying. I hope that season two gets here soon because that coming. scene makes that entire series for me. I've I, I can't mean, wait. That series makes that series. For yeah, me. that's true. But, uh, yeah. Okay. I have been Noah. I've been Gavin. And until next time, stay safe, stay smart, and stay tuned. I got nothing. I think it's just you said it all, man. Set it all. Set it all. Stack man with the blackest fabric. I'm back. I'm magically back in the dash when I'm ducking. Rattled that tax. I'm running the truck over sucking shit. Matter of fact, it's the acid, even the crack. Automatic facts, it's like that. Scam a bliss when you put in feathers and charge of shit. All of us targeted. All we doing is arguing. Harder to miss it. Work until every pocket is picked and sold and harvested. I'm ready to mob on these fucking charlatans.
try to fuck with my brother, you get the bastard surprise. And that's more honest than your whole life in a fraction of time. I didn't get my degree on how to smoke weed till I'm blind. So you can ruin my high. True run of doing you fine. My brother made a point, so after back door, I'ma slide. I'm chubby, husky, thighs, scrubbing, fucking up my Levi's. So crooked copper got the dropper, I put lead in his eyes. Plus we heard he murdered a black child, so none of us cried. Yankee and the brave here. Everybody hit the deck. We don't mean no harm, but we truly mean all the disrespect for.